Hello, and welcome to episode 354 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fan's weekly podcast about many topics, usually of the retro variety, but not today. Uh, today we're here to discuss Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It's our Xenoblade Chronicles 3 spoiler cast where we are going to talk about all things Xenoblade Chronicles 3. We're going to spoil the bejesus out of it. So if you haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles 3, turn off this podcast right now. Uh, but before we get to that, um, I guess I should introduce myself. Um, I am your host today, Zach Wilkerson. I am sorry that Mike Solosi is not here with us today, but he has not beaten the game yet. Um, and let's talk about our panel, starting with uh, first time retro encounter appearance, Gio Castillo. Hi. Hello. And another first time appearance, Izzy Parsons. Hello. And Tyler, who is our resident Xeno expert, Tyler Trosper. Oh, no. Uh, hi. <laughs> Tyler, you literally have an entire podcast dedicated to it called Xenochat. So you are definitely the resident expert, all right? Oh. You have how many features do you have on the site for Xeno? Something? Two? Like two, yeah. I think about two. Two, about two features. Two. Yeah. And you also Maybe work for three. Operation Rainfall. I, I mean, that's like a big deal. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So thanks, Tyler, for letting us play this game. And, <laughs> oh god! <laughs> as of the time of this recording, uh, we also have the triumphant return to Retro Encounter of Alana Hags. Yeah, they needed a real life Xenoblade character for this, so. <laughs> Oi! <laughs> you what? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, thank you for joining us, Alana. It's a delight to speak to you on the podcast. Although I may speak to you all the time outside of this podcast. <laughs> You know, uh, so one thing I want to make sure everybody's 100% clear on before they listen to this, uh, we are certainly going to spoil Xenoblade Chronicles 3, um, but we're also at least going to have some thematic spoilers for other games in the Xeno, we'll call it meta series, series, I don't know, people on the internet get real mad, but no matter what you call it, um, we'll just call it the Xeno series. Uh, um, and so just be aware of that, if you are very leery of that, um, that might not be, this might not be the podcast that you want to listen to. Um, but before we get into Xenoblade Chronicles 3 proper, I want to kind of go through our history with the series in general, um, sort of our experiences with it, uh, what we love about it, what we hate about it, mostly what we love about it, I hope. Um, and we will start with you, Alana. What's your history with the Xeno series? Oh, gosh. Um, so uh, I started probably pretty late, I would say. Um, not until Xenoblade. Um, Xeno Saga Episode 2 was the first Xenoblade game to get released in europe and mm. as a result i didn't play it because i was like wait episode two but like you know it's kind of thematic really isn't it like that's just takahashi being takahashi he's just releasing things out of order and whatever <laughs> um but no um yeah so xenoblade famously came to europe before america um but i didn't play it until like 2013 and pretty much immediately fell in love with it and so then i was like oh, i've got to play it all i've got to play it all but i had to wait for cross or x and then two um i went back and played xenogears as well uh generally absolutely adore what this series does um xenogears for a long time has been my favorite xeno game um and xenoblade 3 was probably the most excited like my most anticipated game of this year and i think mostly it's delivered and i adore it um i love what these games do with themes and they kind of just hit all the right notes for me um so yeah it's been a hit and miss choppy ride playing them all um and i will ne probably never play zen of saga in any legal capacity because bandai namco can't do anything with it but you know will one day maybe i'd love to play them 
I, it's hard for me to imagine Xenosaga 2 being anyone's introduction to this series. I have not played <laughs> Xenosaga 2, but like from everything I've heard about it, it seems like it would probably be a bad place to jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Izzy, what's your history with the Xeno series? Uh, so I was pretty young when Xeno Gears came out, but I still rented it back then. Um, and I just really wasn't prepared to beat it at that time but what i did do was watch the intro movie like 100 200 times more because that intro movie is sick uh mm. it's back before like every video game was doing anime intros too so yeah yeah totally <laughs> it's super cool uh and then i did really get into xeno saga though uh love those games um even two despite what some how some people feel about it i love all three <laughs> Uh, but then I went back and finished Xeno Gears when the PSP came out around there, when Xeno Gears was playable as a PlayStation classic, which obviously great game. Uh, I don't think um, pretty much no one denies that that's a great game, so I'm not gonna espouse it too much, but very good game. Love Xeno Gears. Um, and then Xeno Blade. So I didn't play it when it first came out in North America, but for some reason, my roommates and I in college decided we were all going to play it at the same time. Uh, <laughs> so we all played like Xeno Gears in our own rooms, but like with our doors open and like yelling stuff across <laughs> the hallway at each other. I mean, there uh, are there's already enough yelling in these games, so <laughs> so that was that was a really cool experience. Just like I've never played a game at the same time as like two other people in the same vicinity and like had discussions while playing it about like theories and lore and stuff so that was really fun and then uh xeno um blade x was also a similar experience with my roommate so we uh one of my roommates the other roommate didn't have a wii u so it was just two of us um we bought it on launch day and just like set up in the living room with like two tvs and a whole bunch of snack food and then just played for like 18 20 hours straight i want uh, your friends <laughs> you have like the best irl friends <laughs> it was a good time uh we're we're kind of we don't see each other very much anymore but that yeah. was good days um xenoblade 2 played at my parents house during the holidays great thing great game uh maybe not my favorite in the series but i still really like it and then obviously like alana said i was very excited for xenoblade 3 most anticipated game of the year basically decided it was going to be my goatee before i even played it and it lived up to it so that's good yeah um i am in a similar position but i will talk about that later geo let's talk about your history with the series uh yeah so i'd never played xeno gears i'd never played uh xeno saga i started with xeno blade on the 3ds and I hated it. I didn't like it at all there. It was terrible. It's definitely like the worst way to play Xenoblade. And yeah. Um, and so trepidatiously, I played uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. And turns out it's, I liked it a lot more. Like, um, despite some things about it, like, you know, you know what. But, uh, and then I, I said, okay, well, I, I think I'm a fan now. And then I played Torna like a year later or something. And then that was even better. I love that game. 
uh, in terms of like the emotional story beats, I was like, wow, so Xenoblade is capable of this. And then uh, I was, yeah, I was also anticipating three. I don't think it was like my most anticipated game. I think uh, I was kind of more excited for Elden Ring, but I think I ended up liking this one more than Elden Ring in the end. So, yeah. That's I mean, I certainly nice. did because I've played an hour of Elden Ring. I've died 12 times and I'm done. <laughs> Basically my experience with Elden Ring too. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not for me. Um, all right, so Tyler, your experience. Okay, um, so I was weird and started with the Xenosaga series. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, it. I mean, it was my first foray so i think that might be why i have such a strong connection to that um it's still like my favorite of all of zeno um but um after that i went into zeno gears um love that too and then went into the xenoblade games um all the way back well i remember first when i hear it, it was called monado beginning of the world and then the whole operation rainfall thing but um yeah i uh played um all the xenoblade games um i really loved uh x and i really really wish they would make a sequel to that um or at least make mechs playable again i want my mechs to be playable again me too um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i've been in involved in different um xeno communities forums podcasts and uh fan projects and all that stuff so yeah i i i kind of like this series just a little bit (laughs) that's gonna be the understatement of the podcast (laughs) um like the moment i pitched this idea to solosi i like i messaged you basically immediately um (laughs) because i knew that you would be jumping on um and izzy as well because uh the uh, random encounter episode that we recorded about it. Um, Yeah. So um, in terms of my history with it, so I'm probably, I don't know, I I maybe the oldest person on the podcast, which means that I played Xenogears when it came out. Now, granted, I wasn't that old. I was like 12. And um, I got to be honest with you. um, I thought I was really smart when I was 12. Turns out I wasn't Um, like I, there there are so many themes and ideas with Xenogears. Like I liked it, but I was like, huh, I don't really get this. Um, that's the only time I've played Xeno Gears. I should play Xeno Gears again. I tried to a few years ago, but like, man, those cameras with those R and L, like, I just can't handle that anymore. Like, I'm just old. So after uh, clearing Xeno Gears and not really understanding what I was playing, um, I kind of fell off the Xeno train for a while. Um, I know when Xeno Saga One came out, like, I was interested, but the knock on it at the time was it was like cutscene the game. Um, and whether that's true or not, I will perhaps discover soon enough. But um, I, it just didn't. It wasn't a game that I picked up or played, and I didn't play a lot of RPGs for a while, sort of in my early 20s or even in my late 20s. And then in 2000, maybe 16 or 17, I picked up Xenoblade Chronicles 1, and I became obsessed. Uh, I cleared all the super bosses. I did all the things. I basically 100%ed it. I did all 534 or however many damn side quests there are in that game. And then I picked up Cross. I liked Cross uh, for about 10 hours, but I was playing on a kind of a small TV. 
I'm oh, not sure no. how many of you have played Cross, but the UI stuff at the bottom of the screen, <laughs> I couldn't read it at all. The and text so like, font is terrible in that yeah, game. Mm-hmm, like it was such mm-hmm, a big talking yeah. point. Yeah. So I, I bought a new TV after I decided I wasn't going to do that because I tried to play Nino Goonie 2 at the same time. And the oh, UI yeah. text in that was also terribly small. So anyway, I have never played beaten Cross, but, you know, the 10, 15 hours I played, I liked a lot. And then Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was a problem for me. I like it more than most. I've dumped about 300 hours into it. I've done all the challenge mode stuff. I got all the blades. I've done all the things because I absolutely adore that game. And uh, when Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was announced at the Nintendo Direct, I knew it was going to happen. Alana didn't believe me. I was talking to her while I was on, and she's (laughs) like, I don't think it's going to happen. It did. (laughs) And I was so excited. And then I reviewed it for the site. And I'm going to be honest with you all. I played this game in like nine days, uh, a month and a half ago. So my memory of this game is going to be weaker than everybody else's on the podcast, I hope. Um, So... I'm going to lean on you guys a little bit today, but the point is I love the Xeno series. I love what Takahashi does. I love the thematic elements of what he tries to do. I don't always think he perfectly pulls it off, but I appreciate RPGs that reach high and that try to do something unique and big. And uh, I guess important for lack of a better word when so many fail to do so. Um, So yeah, I I love the Xeno series. So um, I guess we can go ahead and start talking about Xenoblade Chronicles 3, since we have spent a lot of time talking about our history with this series and kind of getting into sort of our initial impressions with it, um, sort of how we felt about the initial opening story moments and stuff like that. Um, I guess I'll I'll go ahead and get us started. So, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, uh, those of you who don't know, it, it opens in this world that is dying, sort of, and they even say that in the opening sequence. And you know that something is off. And basically the notion of the game is that everybody in the world lives for 10 years. And there are these two opposing factions. And over those 10 years, all you do is fight. Like basically everyone in the world, your whole goal is war. And that's it. That's your whole life. And of course that doesn't really seem right. Um, Early on, you know, we know that some things are happening that, Um, indicate that maybe this world is sort of a blend of Xenoblade 1 and Xenoblade 2, but we don't really understand how that's the case, how the world came to be. Nia and Melia show up and are like, what? Uh, Why are you guys bad? Because you're like nice people in the other games. Um, And so I I think that the the premise itself is fascinating. Uh, I love the way that it introduces it. I love that it drops us right into the action, just like Xenoblade Chronicles 1. I think it's a great opening. And I think that they do a nice job of establishing the characters early on um, up through chapter one. So in terms of like chapter one, uh, what, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, like immediately what stood out to me was like the the cinematography, like and the, the cutscene direction was like incredible. Like the way it was like um, panning up into like the battle, like the opening battle and like... Um, I was like, wow, they, I mean, they really stepped it up. And then when you finally see like the, uh, like Noah and the group, like they're like entering the battle. It's like, it's so good. It's so good. Like when he gets his sword and he's like, you know, when the, when he starts swinging it, it's like, wow, holy crap. Uh, Yeah, I I agree with that. The cutscene direction and the cinematography is far and above any other Xeno game. So that's cool. 
I'm happy that they're moving in that direction. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Because, like, I think I remember thinking that Xenoblade 2's cutscene direction was amazing. And then, like, mm. 3's just takes up another notch. Um, But I think the intro just, more than any other Xeno game before it, maybe not Xenogears, and again, I haven't played Saga, but, like, God, does it get started quick. It doesn't really wait at mm. all. Like, I think even Xenoblade 1 does it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit like the big thing happens mm-hmm. at the beginning of xenoblade one and then it just like tapers off for a while until you get to gal planes and then up and down but like xenoblade one is like firing on all cylinders from like minute one basically um and xenoblade two kind of stumbles for a little bit at the beginning i think um but yeah like it just throws you straight into the action and immediately like you already know you already get a feel for like um kevis um the three kevis characters who are noah uh uni and lance and you get a feel for their dynamic you get a feel Mm -hmm. for colony nine in general and it just really kind of sets the stage like immediately from the music in that opening area i can't remember the specific area but i know it's the beginning of asia um right the way to the tone to the dialogue it feels way more and i hate using this word mature um right from like the beginning and melancholy elegiac elegiac yeah those are better words yeah but i think in general (laughs) like xenoblade 3 feels like it's a lot more grounded like there's definitely a lot more i don't know grounded's probably not the right word let's go elegiac i think there's definitely something more melancholy about it uh, right from the beginning Mm -hmm. even though it feels more balanced um like because they're off you know uni's already like sworn like four times in like the opening (laughs) half an hour so there's definitely some lightness there as well but yeah i think it does a really fantastic job of like setting everything up basically i think it's interesting that it kind of feels to me and i don't know if anyone else agrees with this some people may or not have played xenogears and xenosaga or not but Mm -hmm. it feels like the takahashi that wrote xenogears and xenosaga mm-hmm. rather than the takahashi that wrote xenoblade to some degree and that there is that maturity in relationships and character interactions and the world that i think it so yeah i used maturity too i think it's i don't think it's a wrong <laughs> thing to say about it no i think it's true <laughs> it, it feels like uh he's like it's like a reaction to the to xenoblade chronicles too like he won i think um maybe the backlash to it kind of or like some, there was like kind of like a negative reaction to like how saccharin too felt sometimes and yeah i think this one was like um i don't know i guess trying to i don't know bring it bring it back to Zeno gears i guess i'm gonna bring up a spoiler quickly for xenoblade 2 uh well, the end of Xenoblade 3 and talk about Xenoblade 2 a bit just because I think because of what you said makes me think of it is at the very end of Xenoblade 3, there's no. a cutscene oh, that no. shows oh, Rex no. from are Xenoblade 2. About, are we talking about Giga Chad Rex already? Oh, harem. Um, and to me, that immediately felt like a reaction of the devs being like, you all didn't like Rex? Well, he gets all your waifus. <laughs> This this is what why I couldn't sleep after I beat Xenoblade 3. <laughs> that that single image haunts me. Oh, beautiful. oh boy! You know what's interesting is that that is literally the first thing I saw about this game because like there was a leak of Xenoblade Chronicles uh-huh. three like maybe like a week and a half before it dropped, and I saw that image and I'm like. 
man, Rex got hot. Wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> it's wait so a second. weird. Three babies, they're all about the same age, which means, wait a second. No, oh, they yeah. have to explain this. Yeah. And then, Spoiler and then you look alert, back at don't. Pyra and Nia holding hands in the title screen after you finish Xenoblade 2, and you're like, is this a, like, a? are they in a polycule here? Good for, good for them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I know it's been said to death, but, like, uh, that line that he said, like, I love you. It makes sense now. In Xenoblade 2, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It changes yeah. everything. That was, a fa- that was a family photo that everyone in that picture is just in love with Rex. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see. Sorry for completely derailing things there, but no, I... No, no, no. no that, that's exactly the kind of conversation <laughs> I'm looking forward to. Today. I love it. <laughs> uh, Tyler, I... If, I, if memory serves, we chatted about it a little bit beforehand. Uh, I feel like everybody's been pretty positive on the opening of this, but I think that you struggled a little bit more with the opening, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I, I agree that the beginning de- definitely is intense, and I, I, I like how, how, as you guys said, it's going on all cylinders. Uh, but I don't. It it took me a little bit to warm up to the characters as much, um, but I think well I'll kind of get into it a little bit later. But it was mostly on the because um, the stuff with the the Agni and characters was great. Not no Kevas sorry the Kevas characters was great, but I kind of wish that they had kind of done a similar thing with the Agni and characters and kind of showed how they led up to the moment in chapter one where they all meet together. So you mean like sort of like a split chapter where it's like them and Ky- colonies. That's not Lambda. It's so. Gamma. Gamma. Yeah. Them there first and, and colony nine first. Yeah. I, like the, I think that's a good like idea. A, I like that. A wild arms kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I yeah. was expecting that. Yeah. Me too. I was quite surprised. Yeah. Cause we got so much about them and like their history and then Agnian characters just like showed up. I was like, okay, we're friends now. I'm like, I, <laughs> I, like I, I, I grew to love the Agnian characters, but it, it took me longer because I just, we didn't get that same interaction. Um, but yeah, it like took, a, it yeah. took some time. It took some yeah. time for me. That That's fair. I don't think I, I think that's, maybe a little bit by design i don't mm-hmm. want to give too much credit to developers but it feels like a lot of the character development in this game is more character excavation of mm-hmm. their motivations and who they are over time mm-hmm. so that's right. my vibe there yeah okay. i guess they don't really at the the point of them being like 10 and again not to discredit because yeah i had a minute where i was like hmm so tyon's just the grumpy one and neo <laughs> is like i don't know something else and then senna who it seems really fun, but unfortunately, she gets pretty shafted by the entire game by the end of yeah. it. Um, like it was, it took me a little bit longer to warm up to the acne inside. I'll agree, but actually, like they're really great. Um, but I think as well, like the fact that these characters only live for ten year cycles, and the idea is that you know they they're supposed to die at the ten years, and you know what happens to them if they die early? Well, you know we get into that in a minute but like yeah so they don't really have any like individual history beyond like the 10 year window and you just kind of get fed whatever they'd have gradually so yeah there's a and, lot less to latch on to in general but yeah and they're all coming close to the end of their lives too yeah right? they're all like but, nine and mio's only got like four months left by the start of the game um so yeah, yeah. 
So they're kind of set in their ways despite how young they are, which is interesting. And then to have the whole game basically be like, no, you know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's it's interesting that you guys are talking about uh, the cast in general. And, um, you know, I, I because I do feel like in some ways we don't know the characters as well to start as, say, we knew Rex, for example, right? Or um, Shulk or Fiora. But I feel like, for me, by the end of this game, if there's one thing that distinguishes it, it is the cast. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. oh, I, yes. I think that, I, for me, like, I, I'm not sure that I love this. We'll talk more about this later. But like, I don't know that I love the combat more than Xenoblade 2 or the areas more than Xenoblade 1 or the music more than Xenoblade 2. But one thing I know for sure that I like the best is the cast. Um, and interestingly, I also think it's the Agnian side, um, in particular Uni. Uh, because Uni is the actual absolute best, um, and I and I She's love <laughs> I love the way that they develop the characters throughout. I feel like I'm consistently learning new things, um, but there are also times where I feel like I learn new things that should be absolutely part of the main story that are not. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> like how are the side stories not main content in this game? At least most of them, like Senna's side story again, Shafter. It's really about other characters. Yeah, this is. Um, Oh, sorry to interject, but this is no, def- get definitely giving me flash to- flashbacks to Xenoblade X, where most yeah. of the mm. best story beats and or well, and like development of the world was in its side quests and like mm-hmm. yeah, character quests. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and I totally agree with that. So I mean, like it, it, in terms of the cast, um, like it, what are your favorites? How do you guys feel about the development? Like where where are you guys on that for the main cast? Um... I would say my immediate favorite was Senna pretty much uh, pretty quickly. She just reminds me of myself a lot, her (laughs) constant need to uh, try and prove herself and things like that, um, which I found pretty obvious pretty quickly, but I've noticed that a lot of people didn't really get that and felt later in the game when that was revealed to be her motivation and kind of her more of her driving force and stuff. People felt blindsided by it, which was a surprise to me, but I guess I understand there's just different readings of things and, different personal experience to give uh, understanding of stuff uh so yeah senna was quickly my favorite i agree with alana that she wasn't treated so well in the overarching game and that she just didn't get enough screen time and enough development and even in her own hero quest it's not oh really God. her hero quest i forgot it was her <laughs> hero quest for a while because like right? wait it's like yeah. this is this is about Gondor and Shania. This this isn't yeah. about Senna. Like, oh, I, I feel like yeah. I learned a lot about Shania. It was like a good development <laughs> moment for Shania, but, yeah. which was also nope. should have been part of the main story, arguably. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd like to say I, I I love the whole cast, all all of the main characters. Um, I liked Noah a lot more than I expected to because as the main character, I just generally expect to not like them quite as much. Uh, but. He's an interesting character. I really like how silent he is, and he kind of mm-hmm. like l- does a lot of listening to other people and then responding to the situation afterward um, and things like that. I think that's a cool dynamic that I haven't seen very much, especially in a main character. Uh, I really like Mio, and especially because... So getting a little out of the, that main cast, but to the two main villains, M and N, I would say are the main antagonists, despite the fact that they're not... It's complicated, but I would say they're the important villains that you actually care about. Um, and I think M and Mio as like a group, as a character, as their development together, because spoilers, because we're talking about the whole game, they're basically the same person. Um, 
and I them together is probably my favorite character thing is just mm-hmm. like how those two talk to the world, how they interact, how Mio develops in having met M and learning her memories and things like that. Very cool stuff. I I really enjoyed the cast. Um, as you said, it's it's one of the best uh, kind of casts because they work so well together. Um, my favorites are um, definitely Tyon. Um, I didn't expect to like Uni. I don't know why I didn't expect to like Uni, but I I love her. I love her. You what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and like also I I I love Riku and Manana. A lot. Oh yeah, oh, yes. they're like my favorite Naplan characters of the entire oh. series. Oh Easily. god, hands down. Yes, I just I love them so much. They're a great pair. You get the like goofy Nopon, but then you get Riku, who's like the serious character who is the C ten of this game, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh man. Yeah. It's even got like a similar color palette. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mentioned and yeah. I mentioned this earlier uh, off off stream but it was like he he has this little moment with melia at the end where they have this knowing nod to each other like what was that all about what what do you what 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 do you know what do you know riku appreciation hour okay so uh uh, i'll be honest like napons in this game usually annoy the living hell out of me um but i i I love the napon characterization in the game in general and riku is different from any other Napon ever, and he's so amazing. But oh my gosh, I- I'm going to complain later about the ambiguities in this game. But like, why don't we know more about Riku? Right? I love how it's just like you sit at a campfire if you do like the um reuniting the seven Napon quest, and you're looking for the last one, and he's just like, oh, the last hammer's in Colony Nine, and they're like, oh, why didn't you tell us the last member of there was in Colony Nine? I was like, oh, it's me, and everyone's like, what? And I'm just like, oh, we're just going to ignore that. We're just going to ignore that he's one of the legendary Nopon who can make the magical weapons. Like, okay. Riku and that was the moment the where I said C-10, right? <laughs> 100%. Yeah, he's either C-10 or Alvis or someone of equal um, importance in Xenosaga. Let's just, let's just say that. <laughs> probably maybe uh, um yeah um i mean izzy said noah and actually i remember when i was playing this pretty fresh people were complaining about how noah was not as like animated as shulk or um rex or you know didn't have like any immediate like standout qualities that were as obvious as maybe fey um but like to me noah is like pretty clearly my favorite main character in the Zeno series I think um just because of a lot of the things that Izzy said like he's actually a protagonist who listens he doesn't like rush headfirst into things and he's got a real level of maturity about him um especially again in regards to the end stuff um at the end of the beginning of chapter six where they're like confronting each other and they have that discussion about like oh, N is you if you'd made all the wrong choices and Noah sees all that. And he gets close to making that decision, but then like he's like, no, no, wait, wait. So like, I do really like how much more grounded he is overall. Um, but I want to give a little shout out to Lanz, I think. I think Uni and Mio are probably mm. my favorite characters. But Lanz, immediately I was like, oh, you're just going to be like another Ryan. And I like Ryan a lot, but like Ryan has definitely got like the kind of job of being like... <sighs> what's the like what's the right term for it i guess like the the best friend kind of 
you know, not the idiot best friend, but he does have some of those qualities. But like Ryan definitely is a bit of a butt of a joke sometimes and definitely, but is very wholesome and very like supportive of Rex. But Lance has some really, really amazing character moments, especially in like a lot of the um, Ascension quests, the hero quests, um, and in particular with Tyon, because like him and Tyon hate each other at the beginning. But there's this conversation, I think it's in the Maxa Wildwood, where they're both like having a chat and Tyon and Lance get to like understand each other's philosophies because obviously Tyon's way more like logical, slow and thought out about things and um, Lance is a bit more like hot-headed and brash but they both see like really good sides to each other so like I think Tyon's like oh I wish I was more confident and then Lance is like oh I'm not confident I'm just like scared but if I look scared then people are gonna worry you know what I mean and so yeah I, I was really really surprised that they gave him such like good poignant moments and like he's just a big softy in the end i just ended up loving lands a lot yeah and not to jump ahead a lot but like i feel like um his relationship with yorin um and uh-huh. uh you know console j um as we discover um it, it, you know it is one of the most fascinating in the game um and i think that um i have a lot of issues with the fact that death and I know that's part of this, the premise, right? Like death doesn't mean anything in this world, right? But I, I feel like a lot of times when they just keep bringing characters back, it it, it lacks the punch they wanted to have, mm-hmm. like Miyabi or Chris later. But with with Yorin at the end of end of chapter three, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. um, when you discover that he is Consul J, um, and Lanz is wrestling with the way that he talked to Yorin, the way that he treated Yorin, the way that he wants to help Yorin, I think gets to so much of what this game is about, about the the importance of the immediate, but also the importance of um, pressing forward for the immediate. And like Yorin seems so lost. It seems like there's no way you're going to bring Yorin back. And sometimes I think it's annoying that they bring people back. But with Yorin... I felt like they developed it over the course of the game so effectively and Lanz's interactions with him were so critical to that mm-hmm. um, that I thought that it was beautiful. And Lanz's side story, even though it seems sort of slight, um, is, I think, really lovely. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think that Lanz is a great character in this game and he's kind of slept on in the community at large. Mm. Um, just remembered something with Uni as well, not necessarily in relation to Jay, but I think some stuff came about because of it. I think... Not only is Uni great because she's this like memeable, loud, brash, boisterous like female character who's great, but I think that she has one of and like tell how she has a hit and miss like reputation or like history with dealing with mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. Uni is probably one of the best Japanese RPG representations of any kind of like anxiety or ptsd or anything like that like we were talking about like the um, like amazing like like the very big cinematography but also the moments where she like remembers a past life that she's had Mm -hmm. with um oh god uh is it d is it uh which console member is it i think it's d yeah 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 um like she shakes like continuously and then it happens a couple more times and also the other way the other characters like react to it as well is very 
like it's so like subtle they don't just like panic over her they're like what's wrong what's wrong they're just like you okay and she's like yeah i'll be fine and they like deal with it in a way better way i think than most other rpgs or people sometimes um would so i think that's why like in the end she's probably right up there but yeah like everyone said like this cast is pretty brilliant like even outside Mm. of the main cast i think there are some really cool moments that everybody generally gets uh, going back to what you said about Uni, like that scene with her and Tyon where he, he notices she's going through things oh, and he God. just like relates to her and like gives her some tea to calm her down. I was like, that was, that was such a good, good yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. It, I, I'm not a shipper. That's not really my style, but Tyon and Uni, yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes I mean, yes. he's her fourth best friend, Lozak. <laughs> <laughs> right? As a person who identifies heavily with Tyon, I take offense. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind if the DLC was just Uni and Tyon, like a rom- or like a rom com or something. I, that, that was it. <laughs> I'm sort of glad they didn't like put them into romantic pairings all the way. Like, I'm glad mm-hmm. that yeah. Nora and Mio is right, though. Like, yeah. but Lance yeah, and Senna always... are I'm... gem buddies. Oh, I love that they don't. Yeah. I just, I yeah. love their relationship. Yes. The, the, the stupid cutscene, uh, like, a couple of weeks ago, or it might have been this week. I don't know when this is going up. Like, Nintendo of America, like, tweeted the cutscene where Senna and, like, Lanz are just training and they make the really loud noises in the camp. Do you remember that? Where they're just, like, I don't know. Like, it's, like, so yeah. weird. Oh. And I was like, wait, this is a cutscene? I was like, when, why is this here? But... It's a great moment for them. I, yeah, I love those two. They're just best friends who really like working out together. Yeah. <laughs> Such a dynamic. Yeah, yes. their dynamic's really great because he's like the big brother to her a little bit. And I love the conversation they have where they're just both like, oh, we're both, I can't remember the specific words they use, but it's like, oh, we're, we're both just average or we're both just okay or something like that. Um, and let's be okay together kind of thing. I don't think that's the specific term they use, but like, they say like, oh, I'm not very good at this thing. And they both like say like, oh, let's do this. You know, let's continue doing this together. And yeah, it's just like a great moment. Not like, oh, you'll be better. It's just like a, no, you're great as you are. Let's be great mm-hmm. together kind of thing, even with our shortcomings or whatever. And then going back to Noah and Mio's relationship, uh, which is very clearly inspired by uh, Faye and Ellie from Xenogears. Um, so that that's... I would say it. those two relationships are the two best done romantic relationships in the Xeno series by far. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone would argue with that. They no, definitely I... have that thematic similarity of uh, like lovers, star-crossed lovers across time, falling in love over and over again, but never quite getting it right until this game, which is uh, mm. it's a fun, it's a fun concept that I am glad that Takahashi went back to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that um, sort of talking about Noah specifically, I think that one of the things that I find fascinating about Noah, and I agree that I think Noah is the strongest protagonist in the series, and I really like Shulk a lot, and I like Rex more than a lot of people do. What is he, like 15 in that game? Like, give him a break. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that um, he so clearly represents the way that we as players are interacting with the game and the way that we would feel about it at least the way that we should feel about it right and i think that as you see him moving towards the end of chapter five 
and the way that he reacts to Mio being taken from him. He so clearly represents what we think we would do and we how we would react to those situations, which gets to the whole idea of the game. Because if if Noah is allowed to continue on the path that he's on with the way he's reacting to the way Mio is taken from him, then he becomes N, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that the one of the reasons that he's such a brilliant protagonist is that he does at almost every moment, I felt like he was doing exactly what I felt like was the right thing. But if he continued to do what I thought was the right thing, he would eventually become end because he would be lost to the despair of the fact that he cannot change anything. Um, or the, at least he thinks he can't change anything. It feels immutable. And if he d- tries to change things, he loses what's close to him. And I, I identify with that. And I think that we're supposed to identify with it. And it allows us to see end more clearly. It allows us to see the philosophy that Takahashi is pressing forward in this game more clearly because Noah is such a listener and because he's so interested and because he reacts in ways that we totally think are reasonable, but ultimately it would lead to his destruction if he continued that way. And I think that make, that's what makes him such a fascinating character to me. I like the contrast with N, with the way N is, because oh, I noticed like the way N talks about like M, for example, he's like my... Mio, like I, I remember, I think he said like my woman at some point, like you stole my woman, like during that yeah. scene, and like it's so unlike Noah. It's like it's you know it's very misogynist or something. It sounds like that, and I I know it's like it's hard to reconcile with Noah, and I wonder like is the game trying to say like that was always inside Noah, who is so pure otherwise, you know. Like, who seems so, like, an empath. No, I was going to say, like, I think that's one of the things that the ending kind of brings about, isn't it? Like, one of the key things that someone points out in the last chapter is that, and I think Zach does not like this phrase, but I will use it, there is a little bit of Mobius in everybody, or something like that. Somebody (laughs) says that. Which is the same kind of thing, right? Like, um, so, and it's like a really semi-subtle, but more obvious towards the end way of saying, like, everyone's capable of good and bad kind of thing um but i think nor and n in particular are such a good like good representation of that just because of like how similar they are and like zach said like we can root for you know we agree with a lot of um, noah's choices but everything we thought that they might do would have led them to becoming n and so I think like one of the key messages the game wants us to see is like, oh yeah, everyone's good and bad and stuff like that. But yeah, that's one of the towards the end. That's definitely one of the more sloppy things. But I think like N and Noah is a good part of a good representation of that message at least. So yeah, it's like just everyone's capable of anything. Which yeah, I'm gonna open up a can of worms here, but uh, <laughs> to me, uh, Zed very much clearly represents conservative conservatism oh yeah uh, <laughs> oh yes very very obvious there's no like that is obviously what they're going for uh because you know the resistance to change and the fact mm-hmm. that you need progress and things like that and how they're talking about how everyone has a little bit of uh mobius in them mobius is like conservative but it's also tradition it's you know um keeping things and like 
that can be good sometimes. Sometimes there are things that you uh, should, traditions you might want to keep because that feels good or because it actually has meaning or things like that. But then when you take it to that extreme that is Zed, where you're trying to pull everything backwards or keep everything the same at all times, then you become the stagnant, awful thing. <laughs> mm, that's a good yeah, way yeah. of putting it. I hadn't thought of it specifically like, zed as conservatism but now that i think about it like mm -hmm. yeah one of the again one of the big themes of xenoblade 3 is change right and like mm -hmm. i think the one line that stick one of the lines that sticks with me most in this game is like you gave us a choice noah and like and what i find really interesting about the fact that mobius is called mobius and ouroboros are the good guys is ouroboros is traditionally evil ouroboros traditionally means darkness evil stuff like that and mobius i think means light in some kind of language um so they've kind of flipped it on its head a little bit um but also like yeah it's just like the amount like if nothing changes then the reason people become consoles is because they are given this like power and they're given more power and for you know for the benefit of like keeping things as they are because nothing will change and that's what they're angry about um but then everybody who isn't a console member or isn't part of mobius becomes more powerful as they are given the freedom to choose right like mm -hmm. they suddenly get this like confidence about it and start to band together and um one thing that i found really interesting one of my favorite things about xenoblade 3 is i think that like a lot of the different colonies have so many of their own traditions um and like they all have their different ways of like addressing death like colony oh my god um colony the one in the mac the wildwood um uh what's her name what's their name junipers. Uh, junipers yeah like they believe that everyone goes back to the earth whereas like um there's another colony i can't remember specifically but they everyone treats every death differently like everyone's got their own like mm -hmm. funeral traditions and everyone's got like their own like rites of passage and every colony does a different thing like colony 30 does like levness building and then colony uh lambda is the mining colony for ether so everything's got its own tradition but then when they break free of this they all start to like share these jobs and like juniper shares like the farming with colony nine or colony four colony nine yeah and then so on like it it, it just like it, it kind of like spreads it out a little bit more and like the traditions are kept but like things ultimately change and evolve with that um but yeah it's like a real yeah. real like shift away from like what Zed's trying to do, which is probably why you know oh, Zed hates everything, you know. Like <laughs> uh, tradition, the thing with tradition, the um, how they do keep that is cool. Like I think belief is treated very well in this game compared to maybe sometimes in Takahashi games where <laughs> they're they're a little bit harsh on um, people's belief and faith and things like that and tradition. But I think Xenoblade Three strikes a really good balance with it where characters beliefs are usually treated well unless they're awful beliefs so they're like and they're often used as part of other people developing uh and the the thing about how the colonies start interconnecting like this is going into side content now and stuff but it's so cool how the mm -hmm. further you get the more the colonies in, like interact with each other and interconnect mm -hmm. and the world becomes like this big interconnected web of actual society instead of the endless war and no culture it, that it has before that mm -hmm. which again reminds me of xenoblade x when you go through yeah. the different side quests yes. how the different uh, uh races um uh, like kind of 
get come together and you know develop society on Mira. Yeah, like New LA starts off as just like does it just start off as humans or is it just like a bunch of different it's, things? But the more side quests you do, it's like more races, more buildings mm -hmm. get built. You see it evolve more. Yeah. Well, I want to take what Izzy said like a step further. It's like when he said that Zed is like an avatar for like conservatism, like it kind of gets at what I feel like the game's actually about, which is like, well, isn't it? Um, well, up to me, the game is about like capitalism or like like the whole setup, like um, what Noah says at the start, like working, uh, killing in order to live and living in order to fight. Yeah, sorry, something like that. And then, I mean, it's obviously like it sounds exactly like working in order to live or like living in order to work, mm, yeah, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And like the whole setup of like um, Mobius being like this untouchable like upper class. Who are They're basically, billionaires. you know, dictating <laughs> the way everyone else works. It's like, um, I thought it was like pretty on the nose almost mm -hmm. in many ways. And like the way like the colonies like interact, right? Like, um, I remember one colony, I think it was uh, Alexandria's, like they explicitly were doing like mutual aid, which is like a, like a socialist concept that. I didn't expect to, you know, be in the in the game, be presented in the game the way it was. And I thought it was really cool. And like I think that's part of the reason I like the game so much. Like, yeah, Alexandria and dance fight. Yeah. Alexandria invented the um cards, didn't she? The Collectopedia cards as well, mm -hmm. which everybody used. So it's like when she said that, I was like, because I think oh Alexandria pretty early for when you could get her, I was like, oh my god, like so even though that this war is going on, like there is actually some mutual like respect and understanding and like system in place to ensure that like under that power, they're still like helping each other in their own way, but then they like start to use it to their own gain. So yeah, Colony Iota is a really interesting colony in general. And I think it what's interesting about it, um it and I think that I, I agree. Like as I was playing through it, I was like, all right, I, I can see the anti capitalist workings here but one of the things that i think makes this game work so well is that it's not it's not such a simple allegory <clears throat> like i teach a i teach a short story called the lottery um I'm an english teacher um and it's all about like you know basically this this town does like stones a person to death once a year just just because they've always done it no real reason other than that um and my students are always like what um but i think that it it hones in on why people hold on to the way things are and certainly power structures is part of it uh when you're talking about consoles but i but i think when you're talking about someone like n or m i don't think power power struggles or power concepts or being in power is why n or m ultimately mm -hmm. become consoles they become consoles because they want what the, the infinite now and that idea of holding on to what you have at the cost of anything and I think that Noah would have done that. Yeah. And I think that in a lot of ways, I would do that. Um, I, I, I would burn things to the ground if it, meant if it meant I didn't lose the things that were important to me. And I, I like that it humanizes that issue that you guys are talking about, which is where we... And I think it's interesting because the consoles so frequently are just like these comic book villains. They're horrific. Yeah. Um, but... And... 
and M are not comic book villains. And I think that it allows us to sort of ground ourselves as non-billionaires in <laughs> how those people become stuck in what they want. How, I, I don't care if I'm getting political here, how Donald Trump supporters support <laughs> what what he supports because they feel like they're losing the thing that matters to them. In the case of like yeah. white dudes, it's like, hmm. I am on top all the time. In the case of Noah, it is Mio. In the case of N, it is M. In the case of the consoles, it is everlasting life, power, mm-hmm. things like that. And so I think that it deals with it on a variety of levels where it's not like such a clean, yeah. simple, obvious allegory. Instead, it allows us to connect with why other people think the way they think. Um, the humanity of Xenoblade, the whole series in particular, is always the thing that stands out to me. Um, and I think Xenoblade 3 takes that to the best degree at its very best moments. Like, N and M being the clear example. And I think I said to you at the time, Slack, that like N reminds me of Krellian from Xenogears the most. Yes. Definitely because of this kind of like not fallen hero necessarily, because N is definitely not like a fallen hero, but like it's definitely like you've lost something important to you and he wants it back, kind of thing. Um and, you know, I I wish I don't want to get to the ending just yet, but I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish N had had a bit more. He has a redemption mm-hmm. section at the end, but I wish that there'd been more to it. And I really mm-hmm. wish N had actually been the final boss of the game, to be quite honest with you. Like, it would have been a real, like, coming together of, like, the philosophies of what the game was trying to preach in some ways. Um, but they didn't, so never mind. I, I kind of like to restructure it in my head as though... N is kind of the final boss. Zed's just a victory lap. <laughs> Fair enough. I like that what, idea. Would you agree with that, Tyler? Just a victory lap? <laughs> just a victory lap. I lost an hour of sleep for Ugh. <laughs> Oh. Uh, no, I was... Yeah. No, I would agree. And I was definitely giving, getting, like, Groth vibes from N, but I, I, I guess I do see... Yes! Yeah, he's kind of both, right? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a co- combination of both. Yeah, I mean the consoles all wear variations of Graf's armor as well. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> one of them literally Gosh. has a helmet that is exactly the same as mm-hmm. Graf's helmet, and I'm like, come on, Takahashi, come on. <laughs> you did at least having them in 3D means I don't see a giant booger coming out. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> That's true. Uh, talking about the humanity, though, of the Xenoblade games, I think that's a good place to bring up when they get to the city. Mm. Oh, yes. Because that is incredibly impactful and very, very human. The, oh yeah, It's just like these characters who have only ever experienced war. They don't really have an understanding of a lot of things about what human life is like in, mm. a, in our world, in the real world, because their world just doesn't have those things. Uh, and then getting, like, to the city and seeing people who have aged talking about like aging talking about giving birth and having children and actually raising your children the scene in the hospital all of that wow who wants to to learn where babies come from oh god absolute like emotional whiplash of me being in tears at these like six like kids essentially like holding their fingers out to a baby to the doctor coming in and being like who wants to learn where babies are from just like i'm trying to cry here Xenoblade, stop it. 
I do, to me that oh, as much as that is it does that whiplash and is kind of funny. I feel like this whole thing going into the city is one of the mm-hmm. most powerful moments I've ever experienced yeah. in video Absolutely. games. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I I mean I agree. I because for me like um and I've I've said this you know off air like I I love I I really enjoyed Xenoblade Chronicles three up through chapter four. I think that the fight between Kamaravi and Ethel, and we'll talk about the hero characters more later, um, is like the first like moment where I'm like, all right, this game rules. Um, and then when they got to that, I was like, okay, okay, I see you. I see you, Takahashi. Uh, I was like, all right. Um, and like that way that um, this game does such a great job of enhancing and like looking at the moments in life that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, um, and we'll get to the ending later. And I think in one ways, in some ways, the ending makes us feel like all the things we've done are irrelevant, but I actually think that's sort of the point. Like everything is irrelevant, but mm-hmm. those moments of joy, those moments of beauty that you get with the, the, the baby. And like, when you realize that Mio is still there and like that, the love, I mean, like Mio's death, which is just, just like a lovely send off, um, and it's like the one moment where I'm like, oh, they came back and I'm totally okay with it. Um, like it, it's, it's, it focuses so well on the minutia of life. And like mm-hmm. you were talking earlier, like that moment between Tyon and Uni um, is, is so lovely. Um, and I think that this is maybe the apex of those minutia of life moments that you should have in a normal existence, along with all the pain, the suffering and all that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I think like going back to something Izzy said about like these characters like finally seeing like how people are like the aging and things like that there are so many like little mm-hmm. subtle moments like that throughout the game like the very first one obviously is when you meet Van Damme and everyone's like why is your face all wrinkly and you're like what do you mean I'm like oh Can we wait talk yeah. about the fact that they never explain and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep harping on the fact of the things they don't explain <laughs> how he looks exactly the same I know right like, it's not just that, it's not that he looks similar it's that he is Van Damme no, and he, they never so, even address it he's yeah. white this is a white Van Damme Van Damme and that's true. Like, that's true. Oh, that's yeah. true. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, true. he is just kind of a connective tissue throughout the whole mm-hmm. Xeno series, though. Like yeah. Van Damme just exists. Yeah, but that's there not are... an explanation. Oh, the... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll give us something. Who knows? Yeah, but like there are just so many little moments like that. Like, oh god, there was another one I came across the other day. Oh, like different words that people use in the city. Like they don't understand what family is. They don't understand what marriage is. They don't understand what, a what city love is. is. They don't. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the one. Like they're like, oh, this uh, the city. I was always like, why is it called the city? And I'm like, oh, because there are no other towns. There's like the concept of town life doesn't exist because of colony even though yeah. i've played like xenoblade one where colonies are essentially towns it's so different um and again like they do the thing with the yeah this is the thing with the baby is the thing that really like tipped me over the edge i was mm-hmm. just like well you're really gonna do this to me aren't you like and oh. they do it again they do it again with Noah and mio in chapter six but we'll get to that. oh yeah <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, a little bit more on the city before we move away from it. It's, I just love that place. I spent mm. so much time mm-hmm. just wandering around the city. And there's, like, some of the sign content there. So, like, obviously other stuff hit me really hard. But as someone who's a voracious reader and writer, the the quest with about the novels, where they didn't yes! understand what a novel uh, was. Oh, my yeah, God, Le- I love that. Leanne, the, the, the author. Yeah. And just yeah. coming to the realization that people could write stories that don't necessarily have to be... <laughs> true but they're mm-hmm. a truth they're a thing mm-hmm. yeah 
yeah. that was that was strong for me too oh yeah that's uh, a good one yeah and the one with the painting as well where they find like the old painting and they get it like appraised and then there's the artist in kevis castle who's like i do portraits and they're like what's a portrait right. is it like a painting <laughs> and then they get it appraised for value and then he's like oh you've found the value of it for me but now you've just re-inspired me to do even better than that so i'm gonna do a portrait <laughs> of fiona and she needs to stand there for 23 hours so you need to talk to her for 23 hours i'm like oh my gosh okay. I, I have not done that one yet that sounds hilarious <laughs> which i was also gonna mention i i also love the city because it it's interesting because even though they're like fighting this good fight against mobius they still have their own internal issues like there's mm -hmm. also like a class system within the city itself and mm -hmm. the like the yeah. various houses and like, yeah 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 it gets even more co complex and i think and the what founders, which oh endless speculation on who they are. DLC, ambiguous. I'm so curious: is the DLC going to deal with them or not? Like, I kind of want it to, but I also want to go to the future, so it's. I was just going to complain because I know there were like several, like maybe two or three of the statues. Were like this was their, you know, um, teacher or uh, not yeah. the actual founder. It's like why? Yeah. Why would you do that? Why not the actual founder? That's. Yeah, that's just a little thing. That was so like... They're going to release the DLC and then patch the statues in with the actual <laughs> <her> people. <laughs> oh yeah, the... Just going into the city, though. Ah, I just... Because through this whole game, you're going through these colonies and, like, you kind of just get into this pattern in your head of, like, this is what a town's like here. This is what a city's like in this world. It's just a colony. That's what they are. They're towns. They're cities. But then you get to the city and you're like, no, this is the difference between... Mm -hmm a colony mm -hmm. and an actual town a city like even though in real life you know that difference because it's a video game like you just get so into your head of oh these colonies are just the cities or towns of this game but they really aren't no i just they're their own of, weird thing i just thought of something <laughs> i i apologize for jumping around but yeah like when you were saying the founders because it's interesting because they are just as conservative as mobius in a way because they want mm -hmm. to just just stay stay where they are they are and not deal with like they just want to just not deal with the outside world at all and i thought that was also an interesting kind of you know comparison to mobius in a way yeah there's literally a group of people just called the conservatives in the city mm. aren't there yeah so. yeah conservatives no yeah. way i didn't see that yeah it's yeah. it's part of gray's uh hero quest is where they become most obvious mm -hmm. huh yeah um oh, yeah and i like that oh, yeah exactly i like that this actually like he's old and he's actually old thank you jrpg um <laughs> <laughs> but when he has his mask off he looks really cool um, yeah. and he looks cool with his mask on too uh but yeah i mean i think that um they clearly are showing that um these colonies are not a monolith uh, you know what I mean? Like they're not like colonies and the city as well. They're not a monolith. They're not all just a bunch of people who all believe and think and want to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, it gets to that idea. Like the characters in this, in this game are so well-written. Um, and you know, we're, I don't know, we're like an hour in here. Um, I, I think that it would also, I, I, before we even talk about the end of chapter five, six and seven, we can talk about some side content here. Um, because I think that gets to some of the ideas that you guys were talking about the way that, side content is so essential the way that side content is so well done and the way that it builds 
the complexity of all these different colonies. Like if you take, uh, there's only one, I, I haven't done all the side content in this game, but I did colony four all the way to the end. And like the way that they develop these colonies into these whole existences, like the, the side content in this game is so much better than it was in the previous two mainline games. I know it crosses mm-hmm. its own beast, but mm-hmm. it's so much better and it builds them so effectively. Um, so what did you guys think of the side content? What are some of your favorites? What do you guys think? Um, one of the quests that stick out to me in particular is, I think it's either chapter three or chapter four, um, and it's at Colony, oh my god, it's either Iota or Gamma, I think it might be Gamma, um, but they're trying to find a new, um, Offseer, and I can't believe I haven't, like, explained Offseer, like, um, Offseers are people who, like, send off the dead soldiers, basically, they play a flute, and again, it's another, like, ritual of death kind of thing, but, like, this girl's like really nervous. <laughs> she can't play the flute like very well. And she's like, I want to help. Like, I want to do it. And Noah's like, oh, I'll show you. And there's this like, just really nice. What you do is like go to different like corpses and like play the music and she gets gradually better. And it, she will find out that she's doing it because I think she was friends with the previous one or she was friends with someone who died and she wanted, she wanted to be the person who sent them. And so I thought that was just a really nice, lovely little side quest. But there are so many good ones. Like, I beat this game about a month and a half ago at this point, or maybe just over a month ago, and I can't remember most of them. But, like, the whole game in itself is really just, like, the side quests are so important to the world building. Mm-hmm. Like, why? <laughs> I love how often they deal with Offseers in this game in general, but mm. also in the side quests. Yeah. Um, that there's, like, that Napon who wants to be yes. an Offseer. Yes, <laughs> because... so, yeah. Yeah, in Colony 30, who wants to become an officer because they admired the old one. And just like how important those rituals are to these yeah. people, um, mm-hmm. I think is really lovely um, and really true to real life. Um, yeah, I just... think it... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, it comes goes back to like us talking about how this game deals with tradition in nuanced ways. Like They literally come to the realization that off-seeing does nothing. But at the same time, it does everything. It's important to these people. It lets them um, deal with death and things like that, despite the fact that it's not doing anything for the people who died. Um, yeah. I really loved when they uh, introduced uh, uh, Colony Zero. Because I thought that was an oh, interesting yeah. aspect of, like, mm-hmm. there's this colony that's not specifically Kevez or Agnes, but it's, like, perpetually, like, making certain that the war continues. And I love how it just kind of, I don't know. I, I, I thought that was interesting, but at the same time, when they, like, this is, I mean, I guess stopped being what they were doing. It was interesting how they kind of tried to create their own little society and try to yeah stop yep. being such that terrible force. Yeah. I think world. Colony Zero is one of the most fascinating like mm-hmm. side quest sequences in the mm-hmm. entire game. Um, I, I mean, like the hero character, and we'll talk about hero characters in a second here, but the hero character is kind of useless in battle, <laughs> but um, and the classes too. But like, I, I feel like the way that those different people reconcile with that, the way that you built, you you take over this prison and you create mm-hmm. a new colony and you create something that is new and you have to create new traditions as we're talking about, mm-hmm. um, I, I think is really lovely. Um, I, I, I love that side quest sequence. I think it's one of the strongest mm-hmm. like sequences up to an Ascension quest and then the Ascension quest I thought was really strong. Yeah. But the Ascension quests were usually a little bit weaker than the initial 
hero quests, but not in that case, but they were really good there. Mm-hmm. Also reminds me that other people got to use Mecha and we didn't. <gasps> yes. Yeah, right. I was so upset. It was like, <laughs> right? I had a theory going into Xenoblade 3. My theory was we would lose Ouroboros partway through the game and we would get Mechas instead um, as like a reference to the Minato with Shulk um, when he loses the Minato and then he makes his own. I honestly thought this was going to happen and then maybe we'd get it back at the very end or something. And I was kind of disappointed it didn't happen, but it was my old hand cannon. So obviously I can't be that disappointed. But <laughs> Yes, I was like upset because I will get into, but with heroes, you... Uh, get unlock new classes and those classes come with costumes and stuff and i was like oh my gosh all my characters are gonna be in mech suits no 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 (laughs) you just get a evangelion suit instead Uh, pretty much plug suit yeah plug suit basically yeah anyway put mecha back in xeno (laughs) exactly yes (laughs) yes what was some of your favorite side content geo i think the one side quest made me cry, and so I remember it, which is the Colony Mew side quest, the one with Fiona. That whole thing with Irma, like yeah. the her friend was Excellent. like the Mobius all along, and it was so um, emotional. It was like a, a different anime. And yeah. I that was also an interesting colony in how they actually mm-hmm. had like this affection and a joy and stuff that other colonies didn't really have because they were so isolated. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I forget what why they were planting flowers. Was it like a to like you know honor their dead brethren yeah. or something? Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I I thought that was nice. Um, uh, the only thing I don't like about that side quest is that at the end of it, a giant rock appears in the middle of the field and it kind of ruins the vibe. <laughs> like I don't I don't know if you remember like, like a giant rock in the middle of the training ground or something. It's, uh, yeah, but like that whole side quest, the story was like probably the standout for me. Personally, I didn't do too many. I think I was kind of rushing to get to get to the end. But yeah, I probably will re- revisit. I want to. I want to see what Gray is up to, and I want to see what uh, Colony Zero is up to. I think that's the one with the the machinist, right? The machine mm-hmm. assassin. Yeah, the mech yeah. assassin. Yeah. Yeah. I want yeah. to see what that's about. I mean, that's a good segue uh, into talking about hero characters um, because, man, I love the hero characters in this game. I love the hero system in this game. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I am a Xenoblade 2 defender. I totally am. But the gotcha system on pulling those things, like, I think I forget how painful it was sometimes. Uh, like, and I pulled Cosmos early. Like, I pulled uh, Cosmos, like, uh, I had, like, I had, like... I had like 15 rare blades to pull before, like when I got Cosmos. Newt was my last one. Newt was my last one, and I had just given up at that point. I was like, Cosmos was my second rare blade, so. Oh my god. You know what? No no one can ever be upset about me getting Cosmos when I did now. Okay. Chapter nine. Second rare blade. Chapter nine. Uh, 100 hours. 1%. The pull rate for that's like 1%, I think. Yeah. yeah. I I don't have a. Yeah. <laughs> it basically solves the gacha system for me because I was like, I don't care anymore. Exactly. Get, that's, that's what happened. <laughs> right but now, me... I have Cosmos. Uh, uh, yeah, but that gacha system is totally gone here. Mm-hmm. Although someone on our Facebook feed, in response to my review, said that gacha's still here. They're wrong. What the hell they're talking about? But um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Someone said that. I was like, What are you even talking about? Um, but heroes, I, I love the system. I think that 
the way that the quests work are fantastic. I love their position in battle. Um, how really the only thing that matters about your hero character is how good are they in a chain attack? Um, which the answer is a <laughs> Shira. Uh, <laughs> um, because she's busted. And she's also got one of my favorite ascension quests and her whole quest line, I think is fantastic. Um, so what are your thoughts on the hero characters, hero system in general? And um, who's your favorite hero? I mean, you have to start. Melia is the best. Melia is my favorite hero. <laughs> I, I cannot figure out how to use her class. Like, not at all. And I, I used her all the time, mained her in Xenoblade 1. I have no idea how to use her class in Xenoblade okay. 3. Okay, because I, I, before I beat the game, I saw a, like, a YouTube uh, like thumbnail that had Nia as a hero character. I'm like, wait, what? What? So I was like, spoilers? Well, for the record, Tyler just beat the game. I'm yes. sorry, Tyler. Um, but Nia and Melia are both post-game hero characters. How you do you grab. how do you get? I mean, that's so, probably a question for later, but I don't no, know. No, it's fine. Melia, you literally just have to, uh, They're both the easiest hero quests of all time. You literally just go talk to them again. So go back to Agnes Castle, go back to Kevis Castle, or Cloudkeep in Cloudkeep, yeah. Nia's case. And go back to Kevis Castle in Mia's case, and you will get them both immediately. E- okay, thank you. <laughs> and so then yeah my second favorite is nia <laughs> <laughs> nice. but then if we want to talk about the heroes that are new to this game uh alexandria asherah we mentioned both of them already my two favorites by far i mean other than riku and manana who almost don't feel like hero characters because they're there so much in the story yeah that they feel like they're part of your party even when they're not fighting with you in terms of like side quests because i think my favorite class or hero but ignoring their side stuff because it's not really that good is kamaravi and the seraph class like i think that that is my favorite combat class which is like just you know high damage high risk because it's like a berserker class right every skill you use will either increase the damage you do to yourself or do damage to yourself but the lower your health the more damage you do so it's like playing with like fire basically which you know he's on fire um and yeah i love playing as a seraph but like in terms of story fiona is certainly up there i think fiona's colony mew in general has such an interesting system and like she's the leader but she's like she presents us pretty young as to the whole of that colony right they're all like very wide-eyed and like very eager and curious and very teamwork driven to a degree where they have their own like salute and they have their own motto um i also really like zeon's ascension quest and in general i think like colony four has like i hate like the back and forth i hate it it's uh, annoying. yes i was gonna the say pati- that was the worst part but the, the <laughs> but the story side of it yeah the story stuff is really good um and Alexandria I also love um I don't think there's necessarily the only weird hero quest or ascension quest was Monica and Monica's ascension quest is weird like uh, I love yeah. oh go on sorry go on go what on. were you gonna say I'm you just, love? I, I love Monica but there's just so much about her and her ascension quest that's just kind of like troubling I've, <laughs> <laughs> troubling yes because at first i was like r- like relating to her it's like oh she's 33 i'm also 33 that's cool oh she's got a daughter who is 18 
Oh, no, no. okay. Right, yeah. No, that bit's and fine. It, I just found it weird yeah. that like one of the squad members like fell in love with her. Yeah, like, and it's I was her... like, where did that come from? And it's her it's her dead husband's younger brother too. And it's Yeah. 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 I'm like, that's it's a bit weird. Um the math but yeah, thing I... gets all Ooh. It's like some eighteen hundreds Victorian stuff, all right? <laughs> uh, the true. British people know all about it. Okay. Ooh, she's Australian, okay? <laughs> like, don't get me involved in that and yeah, I know. That's a whole other issue. I love her otherwise. She's great. And yeah, I love her in yeah. combat, too. Yeah, I mm-hmm. do as well. Um, but yeah, I think generally, like, the hero quests are all very, very good. Again, I think... I mean, I really like uh, Juniper to a degree, but I know, like, she... Well, they definitely have one of the um, weaker quest lines in general. Um, but yeah, I think they're Agreed. all pretty good. I guess I should mention, uh, since I mentioned the characters, but I didn't really talk about them much, Ashura is definitely my favorite class to play as. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can see by the fact that I gave that a very high score to the controversial Chrono Cross port that's not very good port, but I just love that <laughs> game so much. One of my favorite games of all time. Surge uh. uses the double swords. Ashura <laughs> uses the double swords. <laughs> Can't resist that weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's also really cool. Like, her quality is super hardcore, but also seeing her interactions with Uni specifically, like, <laughs> yeah. how, like, yeah, she kind of feels like both a foil to Uni, but also at the same time, Uni could be Ashura in another life. A hundred percent, yeah. I-, I love her Ascension quest. I mean, it's oh, yeah. just like the way that she talks about death and wanting to die and all that history with the consoles is really really moving um i think her ascension quest is the best by far oh yeah agreed also can we give like a brief shout out to triton man of the sea yes yes <laughs> yes, yes. I captain Tr- tames i I, oh. I knew you would love the pirate character alana i know right but like he has one of the stupidest ascension quests it's amazing so like basically he rem- he's like oh i have a memory and i need to go find it so you have to go around the world and like try and find a bunch of clues and you basically go up to handprints he's like oh my handprints the size of a walrus kind of thing and it's like (laughs) you just go around and he remembers like little things of this old friend that he had because triton is console t triton is a console member so he's been around for a long 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 time um and the more you get through it you're like what are we searching for and you find out that um it's a jar of miso paste and his friend was just trying oh to make gosh. the That be- is the only Ascension quest I haven't done, and now I need to. <laughs> I honestly loved it. It's, yes. it. It was hilarious and wholesome at the end. Yeah. And, was- and the traveling around doing all that is very like thematically similar to the fact that you travel around fighting unique monsters to upgrade his class, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just these random monsters come out of nowhere, and they just bring back some memories for him each time it's like yeah. oh but it's funny as well because like tyon's like so against doing it and then lands is like no we've got to do it we've got to do it we've got to find the memories and it's like like it's just like a really great moment for all the characters but it's so goofy and so like fun yeah and then it, at the end tyon was like they, they were gonna stop and he's like no we gotta see it through but it's like you didn't want to do it i was like oh, okay i'm gonna do it and then he's like, Noah, can I clock? Can I clock <gasps> oh my in one? God. And I'm like, <laughs> I love that. It was it's a- just, yeah. We are just men one. of the sea. Thank I you. feel like I could have a two hour YouTube clip that is just uni talking, and it would be my personal ASMR. So I need <laughs> <laughs> You just have to ask, you know, like. <laughs> 
or now. Chio, <laughs> uh, did you have a favorite hero character? Um, I think my favorite was Gray, even though I don't know much about him because I didn't do Excellent his Ascension choice. Quest. But I also love Ashera. I love Triton. I love Fiona. I feel like the only one I didn't like was Valdi, kind of. Just, I just think that <gasps> oh, I couldn't that much. Yeah. Here's the thing. I love Valdi. I love Valdi, too. love Valdi, but I friggin' hate some of his quests. Those co- <laughs> uh, the, the, the collecting, the collectathon yeah. quests <laughs> that you have to do to get to his Ascension quest, come on. That Stop. reminds me of some of the Stop worst it. the worst stuff in Torna. Like where you yeah. have to just oh, keep God. giving in stuff of like, mm. oh but yeah, Voldy again, Voldy's another character who has some really great interactions with Lance. Like the whole mm. big brother, little brother situation. They're so polar opposites, but they're both like very excitable people. And they both like like Lance is just like, you've got to live out your dream, live out your passion. And I just love that. It's very cute. And they're both machina type people. Um so yeah. Yeah, yeah, can I mean, we get into how weird it is that all these races are still represented, but there's not really any difference between them anymore? <laughs> I, I love th- that, though. I, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah like, that's mm-hmm. the whole point, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because they're just, like, they're all human, apart from the Nopon, of course. Um, yeah. Nopon, Nopon just, I don't know, exist in a vacuum, I guess, in this world? Like... I don't know whether they're like the same as consoles or whether. I, I, want, I want to know what happened to them after the end of the game too, which we'll get into in a second here. Yeah. Like they're, they're neutral parties according to console X, right? And she's yes. all like pissy that Riku isn't. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Nobot are just interesting in the Xenoblade series as a whole. Just mm-hmm. like the fact that they are so like this, these worlds are earth in the far future kind of in a weird way kind of right but then to have like something so different from humans and obviously not derived from humans either like what's up with nopon <laughs> geo what are you uh, gonna say about nopons yeah. oh uh, just to respond to izzy first like my theory is that there was like a stuffed toy on like the satellite where klaus <laughs> yes. pressed the button and Amazing. that is the source of the nopon that's my theory <laughs> But you yeah. gotta you gotta convert. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, I wanted to ask, like, what do you think happened to Triton at the end? Because like, he was the only hero who wasn't in the ending cutscene. So, like, yeah. I, I guess because he's a Mobius, like, he died when Zed died. I don't know. I probably yeah, oh. or went back. I don't know. Maybe another hanging thread there. I suppose that's a good question. Yeah, another unanswered question. But like the heroes, to me, like I and for the record, I really love Alexandria. I love her character design. Um, uh, but I I love who she is uh, in terms of what she does with her colony. But also like her class is my favorite to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an absolute blast just to crit and crit and crit and crit some more and hope that my defenders can somehow get aggro back. Um, they never do aggro and aggro management in this game. And in general, I feel like this game, from a combat perspective, like does what they wanted to do to begin with. Because I feel like in Xenoblade Two, like eventually, like I'm all DPS, like I don't need a tank because I'm gonna have aggro every time anyway. Like if I'm using Fiora as a blade, like I'm just like doing so much damage, it doesn't even matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas here, I feel like managing aggro is important. They do a great job with integrating healers 
as something that you actually need to have because there isn't there aren't as many like self-healing options that are effective as there are in like Xenoblade 2, for example. Um, so how did you guys feel about the combat? Um, you can compare it to the other ones if you want or just like sort of your general feelings on the class system, combat, whatever. Yeah, the hero system kind of helped the combat feel a bit more balanced because um, when you're like when you're leveling the classes, right? You kind like the, there's no there's not many defender classes you can level up, and then well, I mean that's for, from the way I play. Like I I just try to level up everyone in each of the classes, and then I ran out of defenders eventually. So like I was running all healers or like all all um, DPS, and so having a hero like Zion around because Ashera and Monica don't show up until like way later, like Zion like really helped keep me alive for most of the playthrough. And I thought, well, that's kind of a problem that um I don't know. Like I can't I can't live without like I can't persist through the game without like a a defender. Like I, I feel like constrained kind of yeah. Uh, I think it's overall my favorite combat in the Xenoblade series. Uh I I do like that it actually feels like I need the healer, the DPS, the tank. I do also agree with Geo's complaints of there not being enough tanks, defenders, so it kind of messes with the balance a bit if you're trying to level up classes and you and you get ascension quests so late too that you don't even have the opportunity to like try and level them past 10 or something. Uh, but I find that having all those party members out at once feels good in the doesn't feel like half your party isn't even helping and i feel like it um kind of takes some a lot of the best of both worlds from one and two uh and it also has better disaster recovery than either game other game by far yeah it or even x as well x has awful disaster recovery but like you can actually (laughs) if there's something going wrong you can often recover by switching because you could switch who you're playing yes. middle ba- mm-hmm. mid battle which you could not do in the other games uh so you can switch to a defender or a healer or whatever to try and fix things when things start to go badly which was something like one of my biggest wants for a xenoblade combat system so that's a big deal to me and i'm very happy they did that uh i do think that all xenoblade games run into an issue where late game it feels like you're doing a lot of the same things once you've kind of gotten into what characters and like attacks arts you like and what combos work best and uh you get to the point where you can do um ridiculous (laughs) chain attacks um that like just go forever and you can um basically like put it a boss from half of their life to dead kind of thing and things like that uh, i think that's kind of an issue with the whole series though so i'm not holding that against you know blade 3 over the other games necessarily my biggest issue with that is the chain attack music overtaking the regular music yes I, yeah oh I my God. I'm, starting to, I'm starting to chain attack at 70 percent on n at the beginning of chapter six right right yeah. and like the music there is phenomenal i'm like oh and then, like, the chain attack music starts. And, like, <laughs> on YouTube, I go and I listen to the whole song. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. There were, like, 
amazing parts of this song that I never heard. Yeah, there are song <laughs> transitions as well. Like the lower your health is, the music changes. The lower the boss's health is, the music changes. And I missed all of that for N. Because yeah. I'm chain attacking. Yeah. It, 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 as soon as I hit 70%, like I chain attack and they're dead on normal, at least, which is how I played. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. That, that's my alone complaint about the combat. No, I, I'm right there I, with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think again, like Izzy, it's probably my favorite combat system in the series. Although there are things that I prefer in two to um, threes. Um, like again, I'll bring up the defender issue. Why is there only one evasion defender? Like evasion defenders are always the best defender class in a Zeno game. Like Dumban's better than Ryan in some situations, and I always, always used um, Morag um, over. Play more Tiger Tor. Tiger and you might disagree. Right, I agree with that part, yes. But they're just it's just so much cooler to dodge things than ah, hold up big metal shield. Um, but like, yeah, there's just not enough of them. Like the weight towards like evasion classes is Zephyr. And that's it. Like I think Ashira's um is meant to be, but it's more of a damage class, which, you know, it's weird to me. It makes sense, but it's also weird to me that like do more damage means more aggro. It's like, yeah, well then why don't you give the defenders more attack than the attackers then? Like, yeah. Um but the Ouroboros system I think is really what sets this one apart for me. Um like I love turning into a big mech and I love the fact that all the mechs look like mechs from Xenogears or Xenosaga or any other kind of mech type system like i remember looking at mio's or noah's and going well that's veltal or that's crescens or that's someone else and i was like oh this is all very cool but like one of my big worries about xenoblade 3 was like in the run-up to release like i was reading up a lot about it because that's kind of my job and um i saw so many different systems like half translated half like localized by like fans and stuff like that and I was piecing it all together as I was trying to explain it in a digestible way for other people. And I'm like, there's a lot going on here. But I mm. actually think it maybe is easier to pick back up than the other two games, or at least, yeah, the other three games, I would say. Like, there's a lot going on, but it feels way more manageable. Like, the fusion arts, the talent arts, then individual arts, placements, classes, things like that. And But it all just feels like a little bit more easy to jump back into, um, especially compared to Xenoblade 1, which, like, I definitely find a lot slower and very hard to pick up and return to sometimes. Mm -hmm. And 2's got, like, even, not even more systems, about the same number of systems, but I do find that maybe a bit more of a steep curve, but, I don't know, maybe it's me, maybe it's just because it's pretty fresh in my head, but yeah, once it gets good. Although, can we just say, like, Agony and classes on the whole are so much better than Keva's classes? Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, the two it's best healing weird. classes by far are Agnian, and I want to use some of the fusion arts over here on yeah. my Signifer, and I can't. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping I... that in the DLC they give us a great Kevis healer. Yeah, eventually. I mean, with the first one, well, this will be coming out after the first DLC, second DLC drops, isn't it? And the first hero That's is true. a defender. Yeah. That's so true. the next one's probably a healer, I would imagine. I do think that Xenoblade 3 feels more functional earlier on than especially xenoblade 2 where xenoblade yeah. 2 the combat takes so so mm -hmm. long to feel functional and like it's so slow at the start of the game and it makes me it makes it i don't think i can ever actually fully replay xenoblade 2 every time i try i just i'm like this combat does not work at the start it is act actively bad to me and it gets great but it not at the start <laughs> three though 
actually pretty quickly like there's still things that you unlock later i wish you unlocked art canceling earlier things like that yes. but it still feels better earlier to me especially because of fusion arts and ouroboros and things like that yeah i mean like the fact that you have to like use your skill tree to get arts canceling and ouroboros form like drove me insane yeah mm-hmm. because ouroboros become infinitely more powerful when you can use art because of how slow the arts come out like you want to cancel every single art on ouroboros and that frustrated me like i i will admit that i am a stand for xenoblade chronicles 2's um combat i still think Mm -hmm. it's my favorite combat in any rpg ever um but i think for most people it's this is more approachable and there is still a lot of complexity here I just love setting up my orbs. I loved like like that mm-hmm. like it was almost like mathematical, um, the way that you had to do Xenoblade 2's um combat. I I, I but th- this is this is phenomenal and the class system I think makes it really strong. Mm-hmm. No, I I kind of agree with you because I, I I think I'm slightly like the chain attack system more in Xenoblade 2 because of the like the elemental bursts. Yeah. But I I, I also really love the battle system in this too. Yeah, I think like a a big reason why um, it this is more like digestible, like Xenoblade Chronicles 3's combat, is because the tutorials are like way better, like from the start. Like they're not, um, they don't, they're not unskippable, kind of like or like they're just delivered better. And like you can do like those drills thing that I found really helpful, like to understand the game. Oh yeah, yeah. I will admit that I did not love the uh, the tutorial system here. That was because so they, they many. made me do so many. But I agree with you that it does do a great job of helping me to understand what's happening. And, and I guess as a as a veteran of the series, I'm like, okay, I, like I get the basics of it, and I play MMOs, so like I get the basics of it. Um, but man, sometimes like when I was like, you must assign this accessory to seven different people. Yeah, I was gonna say the combat tutorials. The combat tutorials are fine, but it was the ones where it was like, right, you need to put next, like, put a gem on someone. Repeat this five times with every character, and it's like, are you kidding? Yeah, I was devastated the first time I learned that uh, equipment doesn't go from class to class. Because I had the uh, accessory equipped yeah. where you're, you could revive people without, you know, being a healing class. But then when I changed Noah's class to something else, and then one of my party members, I was like, "What? What? Why can't I revive?" Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially like as I was like in my post game stuff, where I'm like grinding up classes, and like I'm like noticing that when I change over, like they hold over from whatever you initially equipped to that class, and that's it um and you can do like the automatic setup in the ui but it's usually garbage um like what are you thinking like that's a terrible (laughs) accessory for this job what are you what are you doing um so yeah i mean like i I have some small niggles with it um some things that i wish they had improved but overall i think that it is probably by and large the best combat system that takahashi's ever done for me even though i prefer xenoblade 2s but just because like i'm a loser <laughs> no i'm i'm a loser too so. <laughs> so we are running short on time and I, there are some things i want to make sure we talk about before we do and that is the end of chapter five and the beginning mm-hmm. of chapter six through the ending of this game um which to me have i have very different opinions about those two things <laughs> um uh so 
let's just sort of talk about like because uh, the end of chapter five, the end, beginning of chapter six, which anybody who's listening at this point, oh my gosh, I hope you know what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> what are some highlights there? Like, because for me, it's all those flashback sequences. Yep. With Noah and Mio as Ed and M and their and child. And yep, the baby. It's the baby. And just, it's, it's, I hate to use this word. It sounds so pretentious, but it's true. Like, it's cinematic. Like, it, it's just so beautiful in the way that it's constructed. It is so moving. It, it's, we don't even have, we don't even totally understand what's happening to us as we're playing, but it doesn't matter. Like, we don't need that context. Like, it's just so, it's so beautiful from a cinematic photography perspective wow i'm a great english person here um <laughs> that I, I i i just think it's it's amazing and i think that the music and the fights is incredible the moment you know i'm gonna shut up now so everybody else can have some moments um i love this sequence so much that it's hard for me to stop talking about it so what did you guys think um it's probably the best sequence in all of xenoblade i think for me um everything from the fight at the prison up until the end of until shania shoots herself is like wow i can't believe it like i, I what was it like three hours like a three-hour cut scene basically or yep, like two hours pretty much with like I, one save moment yeah. I told Alana, once you start escaping the prison, make sure you have a bunch of time on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was kind of sleepy playing through it, but then I perked right the hell up. Like when the when they got when that basically when that song played, like a step oh. away, and like oh my god, I was just enraptured, and I was crying. And when 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 Mio said my noah and then the way it recontextualizes after everything we find out in chapter six like in the beginning and like wow like i was just processing all that during that time and i was like holy crap it's like i i mean i never expected that the twist like neo and m uh doing that and it it's so hard breaking i guess like i don't know i just i i don't really have any articulate thoughts to say it's just, i loved it, <laughs> it that sequence also made me inarticulate for like days so i understand mm -hmm. yeah yeah long hair it's... or short hair oh, i went, I, with... went I go on you say first yeah, i went with short hair I, am i the only one i think so i went long yeah. I, I went, went long as well i thought i would go short because i got spoiled that um Mio's hair would be um would be long or short. I got spoiled on the choice, but I didn't know the context until I realized, oh wait, M and Mio are the same person, kind of. Um and I thought I was gonna go short because I couldn't see it. But then once I understood like M's character philosophy and like her pain and her like because like I think I can't remember who said it earlier, but like someone was like, Well, M wanted to come back because they wanted the eternal forever or whatever. Um but like I don't really think M wanted to come back. Like she came back because of N, and mm -hmm. N forced her back essentially. And like the way that she like addressed that and like transferred those thoughts onto Mio, and the way the two characters come together is just kind of incredible. Like I knew something happened in that fight sequence when M and Mio like exchanged a glance. I was like, something weird's going on here, and I wasn't quite sure. So when like 
Mio died. I still thought it was Mio until the very last moment. And then I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, like I, I have so many things I can say or would say about the sequence if I could put them coherently. Cause I do think <laughs> like putting this alongside like some of the stuff that happens in M Walker and some of the stuff that happens in Nier Automata, I think this is among like the best sequences in any Japanese RPG I've ever played. Like it just seems to do so many it it does so much with such a small amount of I don't know, like it, it doesn't like tell me anything I'm surprised at. Like it does a lot of things emotion it, it just hits me on a really good emotional level. Like it's it plays to all of its strengths. It plays to like human connections. It plays to and I, I brought up the baby. I, I the bit with the child made me absolutely bawl my eyes out. Like the minute they were in the hospital room with the baby, I was like, oh god, they're gonna take it away from me, aren't they? They're gonna do the thing again. And they did. And even the bit with Noah going to the tree or N Noah going to the tree with N, or you know what I mean. Like there's too many persons of the same look. Um, whether he's like, Oh, um, you know, I want you to live, do this, do that. Um I can't remember the specifics of the conversation, but there was just something really heartwarming about it. And you could see in that moment, like, where the child was looking at his father, like Zach said this earlier like we understood why like we made we would have probably made all the choices that N would have made because we want to save what we love and in that moment you get it no one's done anything wrong it's just selfishness to a degree but also like yeah it's it's just kind of a horrible realization but also like really beautiful and it's really beautiful the way that like M, Mio and Noah deal with it as well like it's it's just a phenomenal phenomenal sequence yes i i definitely agree um it's definitely one of the i mean it was the best sequence in the game and just the the devastation on in in space when he realized what happens was also just a little heartbreaking oh god yeah like n's yeah. reaction when he screams Whoa, jesus christ the performance on that incredible Okay, I also uh, chose long hair. Um, I at first I was gonna, thinking about short because, well, no, I was thinking long hair the entire time. But when uh, Mio's like complaining about how hard, difficult it would be to wash, <laughs> I was like, oh man, I don't want her to go through that. But that's, she looks so pretty with long hair, so I chose long hair. <laughs> it was such a nice conversation. It wasn't like it was a combination of like, oh, this is M's legacy, but also like, damn, this is a pain in the backside to like look after. Yeah, that's why I picked short hair. Like, I, I was like, oh, I don't want Mio <laughs> to have to do stuff so that she can sit in the toilet or something. Like, <laughs> oh my god, she does say that. Yeah, she, she does say that. that. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I'll give you short hair. I do wish we could have kept M's outfit if we wanted as well. Yes. Yeah. All right. Like I remember Probably you my... asked me and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it was one of my favorite iterations of like the Cosmos esque like suit, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. For sure. For me, um, unfortunately after this moment, and you guys covered everything that I would have said about that moment, and it's I think it's like a top three moment in RPGs, period. Like we're talking like ending of Near Automata. It belongs in that conversation for me. Um, I think the game kind of falls apart in a lot of ways after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, and not like in a way that I think, obviously, I, I reviewed it. I gave the game a 96, which is like a very high score. Um, not in a way that I think ruins what came before. But I think that it struggles mightily 
with pacing after mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Um, Miyabi's. Uh, so we get Mio's side story and we get Noah's side story, right? Um, and they're both about people who they cared about when they were alive. Now they're not. And then like Miyabi's just like, we go, we do it. And like, oh, now my Miyabi's here. Like, there's no more conversation about it. The end. And even her, even Miyabi's side stories are like, or her Ascension quest is about like. Oh God, yeah. Cooking, which I liked, but <laughs> there's so much more to explore there. Um, and then we get Chris in chapter oh, seven, oh. Um, which I think is maybe the weakest sequence in the game for me because yeah. Chris is introduced very early and I'm like, oh, this is like a fascinating character. And like, they're not there for like four and a half chapters. Oh, now Chris is back. Now I should like have emotional investment in this. And I don't. Well, the, the thing is, it, I'm sorry to interrupt. But the, no, the, go ahead. The, I'm done. I'm, you're good. I mean, <laughs> the problem I also had was like Noah, when he learned or well found out that he was back, he kind of had almost no reaction to it. Yeah. As at all, so I was like, "Well, if you're not feeling emotionally invested in this, I'm not." I don't, I don't right. know. It's just, mm. and it's also like the third instance of a character coming back as a console member, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like you've had um, Yorin, and then you've had mm-hmm. Shania, who you know is part of like Senna's side story. You find out mm-hmm. is also a console member. N and M are also important console members who are technically other characters, and then Chris, who maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even think I knew Chris's name until this side story. Like, I don't think it comes up until chapter seven. I think we heard it earlier, but I could be wrong. Might have done, yeah. But it's just like such in passing, whereas at least Miyabi's got like a presence through like Mio and like her character and she brings her up and Senna and her talk about her and they Mm. reminisce about her occasionally. But like Chris is just like rarely brought up. And then like, yeah. yeah, it's just like, and then Chris is actually like not totally evil in that he's trying to like test you or do something. And I'm just like, dude, like, no, like you've been like, I don't, yeah, it was, it was incredibly frustrating. Cause like, I really wanted to know more about Chris in general because they showed him in a couple of flashback sequences and I'm sure they could have done something really interesting with that whole relationship, but instead they just decide to use the same old redone oh it's another console member there's 25 of them but yeah yeah i i definitely agree with that sequence being possibly the weakest in the game but i will say i kind of took noah's reaction and everything to it as him basically being like yeah this is just what was going to happen i'm not even surprised like potentially this, yeah. it was all leading like we've seen what happens with the console how they work yeah <laughs> you i'm pretty sure you liked this sequence more than most of us what did you think of the end of six through seven and before the end we'll get to the end in a minute here um i didn't mind it as much i i mean i agree with you i agree with all of you that um chris that whole thing didn't need to be there i don't even think miyabi needed to be there i don't think mio or noah needed necessarily to have like their own like the side stories had to be mandatory i only liked but I like just going to the Cloud Keep, basically. I, I when I think of mm-hmm. chapter six, I remember yeah. seeing Nia and resolving sure. the, the Yoran storyline. I love that. And mm-hmm. yeah. I love the characterization of Nia too. Yeah. How she's like all trying to be prim and proper. And <laughs> yeah. then she gets into her Welsh nonsense and I'm oh. like, Oh, there's the Nia I know. I, 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 love I did love yeah, And how your so, whole party too does like thinks can't <laughs> not think of her as the queen. So most of them just take her as like 
oh she knows way more than us and totally knows what's going on while she's like what's happening <laughs> yeah it's great yeah the stuff in the cloud keep and like the snowy area of asia um is really good um yeah. and i think the stuff with the colony there when you find out about like the purple stuff is interesting but they don't really like it already been present once or twice before and they don't really linger on it for very long so i'm like oh you've been hiding this in the back and now you bring it out and now it's not irrelevant anymore either like you're like oh here's the concept done solid solved no it's not solved you just like put it in front of me and then like threw it to one side for a bit um but yeah um the stuff with like bringing people back to life and also like you bring back pretty much everybody to life at that point like including mwamba who dies in the opening chapter and is then in the city and doesn't really have any you know there's no like meaningful like conversation or reconciliation the same way that you have with like kamaravi or ethel um although mm, mm, i have problems with that too um but i I had no problems with it because i got to do that hero quest in about 30 seconds oh yeah um and that was amazing <laughs> oh yeah no i agree with that and again seraph is one of my favorite classes as is flash fencer actually um but yeah. i think there could have been something really interesting there with bringing those people back to life but them yeah. not having their full memories there could have been a lot more than there was mm-hmm. and i think they hinted at it a bit and like yeah. when you go talk to wamba in like the city and he's like very confused and uh, like that kind of thing like there could have been something very interesting there and it just mm-hmm. never really happened um i was just gonna say because um i'm guessing something happens with uh ethel because uh when i saw <laughs> oh, her yeah. she was a kid and then the ending sequence <laughs> she was an adult i'm like uh i didn't do her quest so i'm like oh i oh, guess wow. I did something if you go back to that colony with kamaravi like uh-huh. the one that kamaravi comes from like literally in a minute yeah. You will have you will have done both Kamaravi and Ethel's Ascension quest, oh, okay. and also have Ethel back available as a hero too. Well, I you- should have done that. It'll take you thirty seconds. I'm not kidding. <laughs> you do have to have rank ten in both of their classes, mm. but that's not oh. a very big. I'm sure you do. Pass, oh so, yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, I didn't even realize that she wouldn't appear as a child in that end sequence no. if you hadn't done a ascension quest. <laughs> no, she was no. an adult. I was like, they just assumed. <laughs> okay, alright. <laughs> that's one of the, like, hero quests that's not even signposted, though, is it? It's just a question mark in a... Lit- no, it's not yeah. even a question mark. You literally just have to walk into that pod yeah. room, oh, okay. and it, it just happens, there like, immediately. And it's, like, right. a like, again, a very quick side quest. That's good to know. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So, the ending. Um, I think that a lot of what leads up to the ending is weak. I think that there's a lot of potential there, whereas the ending itself, I think, is, let's say, troubling. Um, but I didn't hate it. Um, there are lots of great moments in the ending. There are mm-hmm. lots of things I liked about the ending. But overall, like, Origin as a dungeon is so samey and so long. And I'm sure Tyler definitely feels this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so long. And I'm like, oh, look, there's... I gained a lot of levels there. Because I've been overleveled for the whole game. And I finally got to some enemies <laughs> that were not... I was not yeah. overleveled for. Uh, that was nice. But overall, my feelings on the ending are... Meh. Yeah. Stuff with N and M is the best part of it. Again, like, the fight with N when you free Melia is good. Um when N and M join up with, well, N joins up with Noah is really good. And the bit where they like at the end go away with the rest of the consoles and with Zed is all 
you know is really good um but origin origin reminds me of like <sighs> the final dungeon of xenogears in many ways and the sameness of it and the windiness mm, of it um mm. but also like there are so many things that are never made clear about origin like what is origin like just some big supercomputer essentially that torah built can we just say like torah of xenoblade 2 built <laughs> um look he built the best blade in xenoblade no, 2 no, no. if you built her right no yeah no no <laughs> i'm just like quite surprised i'm not surprised and i'm not criticizing i don't like torah but like i yeah I, cool that's a cool little reference but it's also just like you know they try and explain it and i get it it's like this place where it stores like all the original memories and stuff like that um also it's, it's just like yeah uh, yeah pretty yeah. pretty much <laughs> but like yeah it's just kind of there and then this the game dances around this question like why are we going to origin so like the whole goal of the game is to go to the city and then when they get to the city they find out like you know they need to stop mobius but then it's like this decision, like go to find Queen Nia, save her, get her out, things like that. And then Nia gives them this job and she's like, you've got to make this choice. And like, we've already spoken a little bit about choice generally throughout the game and throughout the story. And they have to make this decision what to do at the end. Um, actually, I suppose before I jump ahead of that, um, ahead of the final boss, we should probably talk about the final boss and the whole sequence, which is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zed tell me about it. Zed is a terrible villain, I think, and yes. the idea that he is supposed to be the collective unconsciousness, and the idea that he is like again the representation of like um, Mobius is in everybody is like no, you're so like smarmy and stuck up and just kind of appear very last minute that I really fail to care about anything that you really want. Um, his interactions with N are interesting. Like the whole, cin I do really like the way that they present a lot of the game through like those theater sequences where they're all in the cinema and they show things through like um, old timey whiny cameras and stuff like that. I think that's really fun. Very, very Zeno of the game and very much reminded me of like the Gazel Ministry and stuff like that. But um, mm. like, yeah, like Zed as a villain is pretty, pretty rubbish, I think. Honestly, like, I, oh, sorry to. Cut you no, off. go on. I am done. <laughs> but I, I feel like this. Besides a few villains, uh, in um, uh, Shania, uh, and Yorin, I feel like this is probably the weakest villains of any Zeno game, in my opinion. Oh yeah, it's just hundred percent. Ah, yeah. I like what they were trying to do with the consoles. I like the fact that they're mm -hmm. apparent in almost every single hero quest. I think that's really cool. Like, it's like they're not just a threat to the main party. Like, you actually get to see the consequences of how they, like, manage the colonies and things like that. But they do come across as very cartoony or comic booky, I think, as someone said earlier. And it really does diminish them as, like, these large, over the top villains. And, mm -hmm. you know, there are some people like that. Like, Metal Face is very over the top in Xenoblade 1, but he also does some pretty horrible things. And there's a mm -hmm. real motivation, as in, like, yeah. He killed your childhood best friend in front of you. Like, it's a pretty big driver. Whereas, like, all of these are just like, yeah, not I, great. Apart from anything, I think console D is supposed to be the metal face of this game. Mm, and it kind of yeah, doesn't yeah. really work in that role. Mm -mm. Like, they reveal stuff about him too late, and it also mm -hmm. doesn't really connect to much other than uni. So it kind of just doesn't really work. Right. And it doesn't even like fully connect to her, does it? Like she, he, like he killed her, but like the yeah. stuff that he's like known for, he's just I, a serial I, killer. 
pretty mm-hmm. much yeah yeah and also like with x like i i wanted to learn more about uh x because i remember there was a conversation that mio was saying about talking about the consoles and how everyone all the consoles used to be like human except for zed and x and then there was that Ooh. boss fight y as well yeah x y yeah, and z, y yeah. And z yeah. i was like what i i wanted to know more about them and then if you beat x and uh the, the boss fight at the end she doesn't actually disappear she just kind of yeah. stays there yeah like what? almost Those... like there's supposed to be a cutscene or something where she talks to you yeah I, yeah i that... like stood there after mm-hmm. i can't remember if it was killing x or y whichever one comes first i stood there expecting for a cutscene to go off and it didn't oh, yeah. i was like wait wait what mm-hmm. and y disappeared like, what? so i'm like okay but then x would just her body just stayed there and i just like took a screenshot of land standing beside her just you know take a picture <laughs> say cheese hey. and i was like what what what's going on with this i don't know Sounds yeah, like a, gl- a glitch because in my game she disappeared after. <gasps> oh, yeah. really? Oh. Interesting. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Must like she she then. screams like I don't want to die, and then she disappears. Uh, she huh. said that, but yeah, her body was just like standing there. Okay, that might have been a glitch. Yeah, I, for me, all of Origin kind of like sh- is Xenoblade is not a dungeon game. It doesn't work no, as I... a game where there's dungeons to me, mm-hmm. right? Like dungeons just like there's not the kind of discovery and stuff that makes a dungeon interesting like you don't get cool treasures in xenoblade games where you're like yes i got that treasure uh like sometimes you get a cool accessory or something but it just doesn't work to me in that way there's nothing there's no reason for me to want to go off these side paths and explore it's like please get me to the end so i'm just following the path to the end and i'm not and i'm just seeing the same stuff over and over again so that's my complaints with Origin. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good point, actually. It should just be like a whole new area or something that's like an mm-hmm. open field with just exactly. like one room. Something like the Cloud Keep at Asia would have been a good idea, like a equivalent of like the mm-hmm. Upper Asia region, like not a massive area. And then with just like this very small building that's just like, oh, this is the end. I know yeah. it's the end. Yeah. I, I wish. And then for the actual <laughs> final boss fight, my favorite part of it, uh is one when all the heroes start joining you that, oh yeah i like that sequence just mm. getting a ton of heroes come in and also melia and nia i know it makes no sense that <laughs> oh. their castles can turn into meccas but but it was super amazing sick. yes <laughs> so amazing <laughs> it was amazing that was really good yeah yeah that sequence was great but like the beginning bit i got like the point of it like where you're fighting zed on the theater stage yeah and it's like it it was like you were not doing any damage and it was like a storytelling thematic thing but also i was just like which you can't like so long this is the longest part of the fight like at least if you're gonna like die if you're gonna like let me die and have to make me you know restart from somewhere make it after that first bit not the whole damn thing yeah, and uh, playing that a second time, I found out that those uh, little cutscenes there aren't skippable. So <laughs> they like... are not skippable, correct? Yes. Thank you, thank they you. Are... I needed that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so long. No, right. It is. That's that's it why I was saying you. that was. Yeah, that's why I was saying that was the longest sequence. Like I didn't mind the rest of it, but yeah. Well, that's another reason why I'm running on two hours of sleep today. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so how many times did you die, Tyler? Just, just the once, the one but time. it was enough to right, yeah. what, waste what another hour. It's like 45 minutes, I mm. think. 
Mm-hmm. So before we talk about the final sequence after the final boss, and the final boss is very long and tries to repeat things that like I don't know I've done in fourteen before, and it was like five right. minutes of fourteen, and it <laughs> yeah. was like oh like I, I did this on End Singer that was awesome right yeah this sucks here. <laughs> um, right but Geo I know that you're more positive on this than we are, and please make us happier about this ending. Yeah, um, I ha- I did the pro gamer move of using up all my bonus XP that I'd never used like from the campfire. And so I went from like level 69 to 81. And so I just breezed through it. I don't know what happened. I did the same. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it wasn't that bad for me. Like none of the, I mean, the enemies from origin were like noticing me, like they were, I was catching their aggro, but I just ran past them and I barely fought anyone. And so I just, it was just like a, a whole, Run through this the is the smart way to do origin for the right. I, I did the exact same thing as you, yeah. See, uh, Izzy and I are smart. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm dumb. I'm just too, kidding. This is probably why I'm also slightly more positive on it, yeah. I'm just kidding though, but um, yeah, uh, I remember the world tree of like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 being also like a, a giant slog, and so that's probably mm. why I did it this way. Um, yeah, I should have remembered. And, yeah, like actually, like about Zed, like I don't, I don't hate Zed, or like, I don't dislike the concept of Zed just being a concept. Like, uh, it's like he's like a force of nature, and it kind of helps to highlight Noah and the the main crew more in a way. Like, um, but. Now that you guys mentioned it, I think I would have preferred if like Anne was the final boss. Then mm-hmm. I loved mm-hmm. that fight more than I loved Set. Um, yeah, uh, I I think at if I played through the game again, I think I'd feel a bit less positive on the whole ending sequence. I, I mean, and I, I I am sincerely happy that you liked it. <laughs> I mean, it, because for me, it's like. They have established the themes of this game long before the ending. And then, like, as we're in the final boss sequence, like, I felt like I heard them say the same lines in some cases at least, like, eight damn times. And I'm like, all right, look, yo, I get it, all right? Like, I, I teach high school students. They don't understand themes when I teach them a story. Cool. But, like, as so many JRPGs do, they treat me like a moron. I was so frustrated with the ending and it doesn't ruin it for me. Like I actually like everything after the boss better, even though we'll talk about that in a second here. Um, but like, I was like, Oh my gosh, I get it. Um, and I, I wanted to invest in it because I cared about these characters and I, I totally understand why somebody would like it because like, it, it's so, it, it's so character centric and I respect that, but like it doesn't, treat me like i'm a person who can read um in my opinion um and that was what was so frustrating to me about this ending um where they were just like constantly shouting the same garbage over and over again i'd um, be curious yeah. to know like what people who didn't do like any or many side quests thought of it because i feel like 
because I'd done so many side quests by this point, like I'd already figured out what the theme was way before it. Like, you know, all of these colonies that you're like changing and saving. And it's like, oh, you're going to like make a difference in the world. And then that's essentially what they're trying to do. Um, but in fact, you know, um, despite this game being heavily about choice and about allowing people the choice, you make a choice for the world for sure. But there doesn't, it's such a binary choice that Noah and the team make yeah. that it makes the whole theme redundant to me to a degree. Like, it's like the choices is you want to split the world in back to how it was. Um, mm hmm that's it and you don't want to like explore the possibility that like there might be a way to like lengthen your lives there might be a way to like save the world without losing the memories or stuff like that like there's no like entertaining of it i don't and that's like you know it, it's I, I i like the bittersweetness of the actual ending sequence like i obviously cried when like noah and mio actually like kissed and like ran a, you know the running at each other and everything oh, like that, that was, was so beautiful beautiful but, yes but like it was like you're taking away so many of the important parts of the game that it's really frustrating to watch unfold like and it sort of almost comes out of nowhere like nobody ever directly says you need to break the world in two like they just say like it's gonna change things a lot like nia like dances around it but i'm like i know what the plan is i know what you're doing and it's a stupid idea but i get i get it it's <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's interesting because nia as you you discovered alana recently in the post game in her ascension quest literally says that's what you're going to do yeah. um and i you know honestly like i i don't have so much of a problem with it because and i think a lot of the criticisms of the ending are like it makes all the work that you have done up to now meaningless because the world's just going to split anyway so who cares if colony four is you know more together who cares if uh colony zero understands how to function because like they're all going to forget it anyway um because they're all going to get tossed back into their initial world this was all just kind of a dream not really i don't know they never make that 100 percent clear um but i also think that it, for me it's like in a lot of ways like death makes everything a dream right like yeah. um like none of this really matters um like this podcast right now is kind of irrelevant because eventually no one will have listened to it and we will never remember it because we'll be dead um oh. and but it still matters because it's happening right now yeah. um, and it matters because we're all here and because we're all talking about a game that we at least mostly liked right um and so i think that it, it highlights that but it also doesn't really deal with the consequences of why that would be the case. Yeah. And I felt like my biggest issue with it is like DLC clearly is coming. Mm -hmm. We know you're we know it's coming. Y'all are gonna have to pay for it if you want to see how this ends. And Xenoblade 2 did not do that. Right. Not at yeah. All. I think that's my bigger problem as well. Like, I don't mind again, like I think the point that you make about like it all feeling like it's worthless. Like, yeah, that's part of life. I also just didn't feel like any of it was worthless. Like you were saying, like, I did all of those side quests and I felt like I got tons out of the game and tons out of it. And I think part of the reason why I absolutely adore Xenoblade 3 and I think it's my favorite Xeno game is because of all of that extra stuff. Like, just talking about it on that level, not even like a, you know, a philosophical personal level kind of thing. But like, also to back up the point that you were making like it's also never going to matter anyway because imagine if you never make a change in that world and you're saving all of those colonies and doing all the work they're all going to die at 10 years old anyway apparently in a homecoming or whatever i don't know how it would change given the, the consoles 
I don't know. You know what I mean? Like everyone's going to die mm. and you know there's like there's no right answer just between those two binary choices but again those are the only two options apparently in this situation like you just leave things as they are or you do it like i get it though it's a difficult situation and i think it was an interesting way of doing it and i'm definitely i was definitely annoyed about it initially and i've called on it a little bit but i do still wish that they maybe would have gone like oh is there no like no one even asked the question like can we not live beyond the 10 years? Like nobody thinks to question it. Like how do we become these people in the city? But like, yeah, I think the obvious like gating content behind DLC is pretty frustrating. Like stuff that's just going to tie stuff up, like the founders, the people who are in the statues, the, you know, console A, who we found out just before this podcast doesn't appear in this game. Where is what? What's Poppy doing here? Why is Poppy here? Like, and why does the Monado still sort of exist? And why has Rex got three children? And is <laughs> is Mio actually Nia's like great 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 granddaughter or whatever or something? Like, there are so many I hanging. I think she's threads. just Nia's daughter. Yeah, really. Oh, that's interesting because, yeah. like, oh, I guess if it's the same person reincarnating mm-hmm. over and over, then yeah, that would make sense. I think she's the baby that appears in that photo with Giga oh. Shad Rex. Oh, I'm so, I'm, so, I'm, yes. so, I'm glad you turned out like a little mm. bit more of a brighter spark than Rex than Mio. But <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Rex. I do, I understand he's 15, don't worry. Um, and he's very optimistic and lovely. Um, but yeah, like, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I can't remember the last time a game put like potentially essential story stuff which we don't know like we're just speculating at this point yeah. potentially essential story stuff behind dlc dragon age inquisition ah okay thank you <laughs> <laughs> just bringing one up uh yeah i mean with the ending uh there's some things like the fact nia specifically says see you all soon when she's looking at that photo makes me think that the world colliding happened much earlier than i initially thought it did mm-hmm. and people have just been reliving which is also why i think mio is nia's daughter because i think it happened while all those characters were still alive so the split world i assume is going to have a shulk is going to have rex they'll be back in alive um and then the fact that noah remembers mio's song makes me think that even if you take the fact that everyone forgets Obviously, everyone doesn't fully forget. So, yeah, it's not even fully meaningless in that respect. In that, these people might remember things. They might have dreams or memories that change how they live their lives going forward and how their worlds work. Perhaps war will become less of an obvious thing because they'll have these dread memories of <laughs> war that they don't remember fighting in and like dying and stuff. Uh, so that kind of thing. I, I'm very. I want the DLC to go forward, but it would kind of suck to have to pay to see the story going forward for just a, just like a conclusion-y kind of thing. But I also am so curious about where it leaves the world and what happens next. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that um, tentative nature of it. Like, I, I think my brain just assumed that we would find out what happens in the DLC. And so maybe that's why I don't, I wasn't really upset about the ending but i'm also kind of worried that they're not gonna go in that direction it's just gonna be a straight up like prequel of like 
yeah what happened my to money the is founders on and stuff yeah that's what my money's on it's gonna be about the founders i just can't see what would actually be interesting about them other than their identities like mm-hmm. going way back in time to just be like okay orboros exists i guess maybe we'll learn more about what it is and that kind of thing but like there's no new villains we can fight we already killed all the councils except for a like are we just and the DLC is supposed to be as big as Torna or Future Connected, so I feel like it has to have more to it. I just can't see the founders carrying that, but like mm-hmm. obviously I don't know enough to say that for sure. It just doesn't feel like it could to me. If it could make me care about the consoles, then okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll Console A, a the DLC, you hear it here, folks, is going to be about how Alvis becomes Riku. That's what it's going to be about. <laughs> and and the main well, character you play as is going to be Council D, and you're going to be like, oh, he became a serial killer because of these very oh my sad God. reasons. <laughs> oh my God. I think I would genuinely ask for a refund if that happened. <laughs> Challenge uh, mode, not worth it. <laughs> Anybody else have any other thoughts on the ending they want to share real quick before we wrap up here? Um, I just want to express the artfulness of the um, the final sequence of like them running after each other and then the oh, worlds are like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. shifting yeah, that's away. The best part of it. it was like, um, it reminds me of like a Kimi no Nawa, or like a Makoto Shinkai movie or something. I don't know why. Like, Ooh, I, I remember. Yeah. 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 I see yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and the music, I, I mean, that song is like an important reason of why people cry. And like, it's just so effective at <laughs> making you cry. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about the music, but it's so damn good. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Amazing. That's for real. Uh, so... <sighs> Go ahead. No, just, just the future of this series. Right. I'm what? so excited for with how good they're getting at everything. This character mm-hmm. writing, the cinematography, there's just so much they keep building on. Like Monolith Soft is amazing. <laughs> That's the truth. Mm-hmm. So one last question before we wrap up. Um where do you place this in the Xeno series? In terms of Xenoblade itself or the Xeno series at large? Where do you place it? Do you think it's better or worse? Everybody wants to hear this part, so that's why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> Right now, being honest, I think it's my favorite Xeno or Blade ever. Like, even though I've just, like, completely ripped apart the ending to a degree, I think there is so much... It, it, I've written elsewhere, but, like, I feel like Xenoblade 3 is, like, a real big lessons learned in so many different ways on Xenogears and Xenoblade, at least, and I can't vouch for Saga because I haven't played it, but, like... There are so many little things that are so much more streamlined in this and other things that like, you know, even though this is like, I've got, it's my biggest playtime so far. It's like 160 hours almost. Um, Like I just, I just adore what it does. It's got the best characters. I think it all feels thematically coherent until that last sequence. And I wish, you know, but like one thing I, I have to like commend Takahashi is I always have like a problem with a Xeno game in some way you know like people don't like this two of Xeno Gears because it's rushed and people don't like get like the middle of Xenoblade is a bit like of a slog and like I think personally Xenoblade 2 only gets really 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 good in chapter 7 when it's just phenomenal all the way there like I always and, and Xenoblade X as well I guess like their main story I couldn't tell you anything about it side quest brilliant absolutely brilliant but like all the characters apart from elmer and lynn 
who were both great. Oh, unfortunately, I do remember uh, Tatsu as well, but for all the wrong reasons. But like, is that yeah. because you ate him? I mean, like, he's the big potato man thing. That's the running joke, right? Just we're gonna eat you. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I think it's gonna depend on what the DLC does ultimately. Before this, Gears was my favorite. Zeno, the original Blade, was probably my favorite. Zeno Blade, but like. Yeah, this is like this is like an old timer for me. I think even with the ending as it is now, I wish the ending had been slightly better. But ultimately, it didn't destroy everything that I loved that came before it. And yeah, I just think it's pretty fantastic overall. Yeah, I mean, I have the same opinion as Alana. I think it's an old timer. Like, I haven't played Zeno Gears or Zeno Saga, so I'm only comparing it to the. The mainline Xenoblades and it's easily my favorite. I think it's easy for me to say that. Um, uh, it just touched me in a way that one or two never did. And um, even in terms of like just the greater like JRPG like pantheon, I think it's pretty significant. Like um, in terms of like what it achieves, like in terms of like storytelling and just the, being a the the sheer amount of stuff there is to do and all that i think it's pretty incredible and yeah it rivals some of my favorites ever like uh suikoden or like final fantasy 7 or something like that so yeah for me i would say uh, it's it's tough for me to rank games in the series because i love them all dearly um <laughs> I would say 3 has a good chance of being my favorite in the Blade series. The only competition there for me is X, and that's because mechas. Uh, <laughs> I also just love that world. I love that world a lot. Uh, it's gorgeous, and the music. and Oh, yeah. There's a lot to love there. Um, but 3 might win on sheer breadth of content and character development and just characters. And I like the combat more than any of the other Xenoblade games. As far as the greater series, I have a major soft spot for Xenosaga. So Xenosaga 3, Episode 3, uh, is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I still consider it my favorite Xeno game. However, I haven't played it in a while, and I think I need to go and do that. To, I, I mean, part of it is because it's a similar reason to how much I like Xenoblade 3. is It builds off the backs of Xenoblade 1 and 2. Also all prior Xeno games, but specifically that. And mm -hmm. Xenosaga is a series, right? So it builds off builds up builds up all these characters over across three games builds up a world it's it's something special i think and mm. three does a very good job of um tying it all together in the end despite all the issues with its development and the fact mm. that it was supposed to be more games and all that stuff mm. uh xenogears also wonderful probably rank it like similar to three maybe so like if we're talking top three it's probably xenosaga episode three and then like a tie between Xenoblade 3 and Xenogears. And then like Xenoblade X is floating around there being awesome mechas. Uh, <laughs> and it, as I'm not sure. So in the grand scheme of Monolith Soft games, oh, I yeah. think I might actually like Batten Kaitos Origins <laughs> more than any of the Xenogears. Yes! Uh, such a good game. It is gorgeous, beautiful, amazing, everything good. People should play it. I just wanted to shout out to it because we're talking about Monolith Soft. But 
it yeah so there's my rankings <laughs> i think i need to marinate on xenoblade 3 mm-hmm. a little bit since it's so fresh for me um i mean i definitely enjoyed my over 140 hours in it and i'm definitely gonna play a lot more because i need to do a lot of quests that you guys have brought up (laughs) um and it definitely has i think out of all the xeno games there's just like the the chemistry between all the, the party members is probably the best because even in games like xeno gears you'll have like rico or Maria that are just after their story beats they're just kind of there but Xenoblade 3 I just feel like there's just the camaraderie and the cohesion among the parties the best um but of course kind of like Izzy I still have a big old soft spot for Xenosaga so I don't know how it ranks in comparison to that at the moment uh, so I'm giving a very lame and coward answer of yes i need to <laughs> to sit on this more but it's all good you you finished it what uh as of this recording eight hours ago so i understand it's okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. um it, it's it, it's tough for me between two and three it's been so long since i've played xeno gears that i can't even like really honestly bring it into the conversation um but two I think it does not have quite as high a highs, but it ends so much stronger. And when you even mm-hmm. talk about the fact that, you know, Zanza is nowhere to be found in Xenoblade 3 um, or any of that. And I think that hurts Xenoblade 3 a lot. I think the combat is stronger for me personally in Xenoblade 2. I like the music better in Xenoblade 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But damn, it, it, it's hard. Um th- Honestly, like Xenoblade 1 through 3 are all like 93 to 96, if I'm scoring on them on an RPG fan scale, which means they're all amazing. Um, And you should play all of them, and they're all incredible games, and they all do different things really well. We didn't talk about the areas or the zones at all, which is too bad. Um, But I love the scope of the zones here, but they definitely lack the beauty of the zones in Xenoblade 1. Um, And so I would probably give it to Xenoblade 3 just by an inch. But it's a tough one. But anyway, uh, needless to say, Xenoblade, good. Xeno, good. Takahashi, very good. Please make more games. Um, And thank you all so much before I go into the housekeeping for this conversation. It was a long podcast. Slosi is going to be so mad at me. Um, (laughs) I'm editing it, though, so he can't be so mad at me. Um, But I thought that we covered so much ground. We talked about so many amazing things. You guys all had amazing things to say. Um, I had a blast recording this podcast. So thank you so much for joining me. For having me. Of course. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, coming up to housekeeping. So let's talk about what's coming up soon. Um, first of all, there's more Xeno coming soon. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, next week, uh, we're going to have an episode about the Muppets. Um, <laughs> and uh, different Muppets cast as RPG characters. I have no idea what that's going to look like. I want to know what it's going to look like, though. Um, But at the end of this month, and actually the staff doesn't know this at the time of recording, um, Xenosaga Episode 1 will be our game journal for this month, for December. Um, So we'll have two episodes on Xenosaga Episode 1. I am super jacked to dive into Xenosaga for the first time. I've got it 
downloaded on something. I've not emulated it, I promise. Um, <laughs> and um, also, at the beginning of next month, we're going to bring back one of our draft episodes. We're going to have a draft episode for different characters from the Xeno series, uh, oh, similar yes. to our Dragon Quest or Xeno uh, or our Suikoden ones that we've done before. So we're going to have a draft episode. Um, so if you have any feedback for us, the best place is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also hit up Solosi on Twitter, which is uh, the re- at the Real Monsoon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you can also comment on our Facebook page, our Twitter. You can check out our Discord. We have something streaming almost every day on Twitch, and we also have some videos on YouTube. We also have two other fine podcasts, uh, Random Encounter, which is about random things, mostly current events. It's every two weeks, hosted by John O'Logan. And then uh, the other week, uh, every two weeks, we have Rhythm Encounter, which is all about RPG music um, and is usually hosted by Mike Salvato. Um, you can also review RPG Fan and, or I'm sorry, you can <laughs> review Retro Encounter on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever works for you. We love feedback. Um, but before we leave, let's talk about how you can reach the individual panelists, starting with you, Alana. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Alana Hanks. So if you want to come talk to me about things, then please do. Although I'm on there a lot less often than normal. <laughs> And Geo, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at 10bstar, T-E-N-B-I star. Um, I don't tweet that much. And if I do, it's mostly about politics. So, <laughs> so you better... No problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Izzy, how can we get in touch with you? I don't really do social media. So if you. you want to get in touch with me, uh, you could go through RPG Fan on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Okay. And Tyler, how can we get in touch with you? Um, you can contact me on Twitter at uh, at Cosmos Chaos, and yes, that's a Xenosaga reference. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and uh, the best way to get in touch with me, because my social media is all locked down, um, is you can email me at rpg or uh, zackw at rpgfan.com, or you can find me on our Discord at zackw. And that's it for today. Um, I hope you guys had a sparking good time listening to this episode. (laughs) And (laughs) next time, uh, maybe you can listen to the Xeno Saga episode and perhaps be in for something a bit meatier. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Good night and good morning.